Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network. In the future, none of you are heroes. You're legends. Get driven. Stay driven. Sports Show number 58. I am your host, Mr. Mojo, taking you to the world of sports today on this gloomy Saturday morning. Finally, the rain has stopped, thank God, and hopefully the rest of the weekend will turn around for everybody, but it's a rainy day, and I'm sure people are just in their house. Nobody wants to go outside right now, obviously, so so even though it's clear enough now, but it's all disgusting out there, so no better time to just sit back and listen to the Mojo Sports Show than on a gloomy Saturday morning. So as we get ready, as baseball is here, opening day tomorrow, around the league, three games. Mets, Yankees open tomorrow against Tampa Bay. And then Monday, the Mets open up at home against the Braves. Big weekend ahead, Major League Baseball and a week ahead. And uh, you know, last week I did my uh, my baseball preview. I made my uh, predictions, my division. I'll I'll go over it again today, later on. But I made all my, my division predictions. I made my award predictions, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year. And then I also, you know, made my uh, playoff and World Series predictions. So I'll review that again today for anybody who missed it last week. And then, uh, you know, we're going to obviously be talking a lot of baseball today. I'm going to be doing my fantasy baseball rankings later. It's probably do like the top 10, 15 at each position and give some thoughts on some of the certain guys and stuff to get, you know, get everybody rolling and get everybody ready for their drafts. Because, you know, listen, a lot of people have drafted already, but there's definitely still some drafts going on. And uh, so we'll try to get you ready for that. And uh, so between that and tomorrow, then you have the Yankees at Rays at 1 o'clock, Tanaka and Archer, 1 p.m. tomorrow, opening day. 4 o'clock, Giants, Diamondbacks, Bumgarner and Granke. And then at 8.30 on ESPN, all these games are on. So the Yankee games are on ESPN and yes at 1. The Giants Diamondbacks is on ESPN two at four, and then on ESPN at eight thirty, Cubs Cardinals Lester versus Carlos Martinez. So a nice a nice setup tomorrow. Three games. You know, it used to be just a one Sunday night game. And I'll tell you, I heard a lot this week about people talking about tradition and about well, you know, opening day used to be on. Oh, everybody opened up the same day, which is true, and I always loved it. Monday, the opening day Monday was always the best. You know, Cincinnati always had that parade in the morning, and then they were the first game and all that stuff. And it was always fun. But, I mean, you know, it's, why, we all, why are we complaining that there's more baseball? You know, why is anybody complaining that there's more baseball? So you get, you, you get a couple of games a day early. Okay. So now tomorrow you get to watch more baseball tomorrow. So you got that. So we're going to be talking a lot of baseball today. Obviously, we're going to have the Met Roundtable. I had a little fun event yesterday at uh, Grand Central Station, the Mets Rally, Team Rally. 
We had Mr. and Mrs. Met were there. You had uh, we got to meet them. We got uh, Ron Darling and Mookie Wilson were there. I didn't get close enough to them to to really talk to them or get a pitch, you know, get a picture with them. I got pictures of them, but just it was too crowded at, at that point. I was at work, so I was just taking a little break from work to go over there. But it was nice. It was nice to get over there and uh, get a picture with the Met Roundtable crew. We went, me, Doctor A, Padman, and Adam. We all went over there, and uh, it was fun. We got a picture with Mister and Mrs. Met, and. Uh, so we'll be talking baseball with them today, and uh, obviously we'll be talking to some Yankee fans. Whoever wants to call in and talk baseball today, 718-508-9883. Also on today's show, we're going to be doing some Final Four preview. We're going to be talking March Madness. So we'll be breaking down uh, the big games tomorrow, tonight. You got Gonzaga and uh, South Carolina, and then you got North Carolina and Oregon. So two. Obviously, great matchups tonight, and then uh, we'll see who's going to go to the finals Monday, and uh, be very interesting to see how that all plays out today. So I'll be talking about that game. Also, I'll be updating the Mojo Sports Bracket Challenge that we've had and giving the updated standings on that as well. Also, last night, obviously, uh, a shocking loss. UConn woman, 111 in a row, lost 66-64 to South Carolina on a buzzer beat on them. Unbelievable game. I mean, so here you have. 111 in a row, their losing streak is gone. And it's just an amazing upset. Nobody expected them to lose, obviously. And uh, last year, they beat, they, they won by 60 over South Carolina, 60 in the Sweet 16. So a big turnaround. Uh, UConn was one for seven in overtime. And uh, a shock, just a shocking win by uh, Mississippi State. But you know what? Every, it, was the, it was the second longest streak in Division One history in any sport. And it's their first loss in the NCAA tournament since the 2012 Final Four. And they were four-time defending champions. So, it's it, it, – and their, their last loss – so their last tournament loss was in 2012, but their last total loss was November 17, 2014, to show you how crazy it is. So, November 2014 was their last loss. So, oh, two and a half years later. They finally lose after 111 in a row, four-time defending champion. So just a shocking win. And, you know, it's always good to see upsets. So I'm sure nobody's, you know, going to shed a tear for a team that won 111 in a row. So everybody has to lose at some point, right? So, uh, but great great game, great action. I was watching, uh, I was just watching uh, the highlights and some interviews on it. So it was very interesting stuff. So we'll talk about that as well. Also going to get into some, We'll look at the NBA and NHL standings. You know, the playoffs are coming down the stretch, so we're going to take a look at the playoff matchups as it, as it would be today and look at teams that are battling for these last couple of spots. So home field, we'll go through all that as well. And uh, obviously we'll do some NFL news, the news of the week in the NFL. We'll go through some top news of the NFL week. And uh, also just a reminder, the Mojo con- Sports Contest of the co-hosting to submit your entries. We have a lot of entries. We have well over 135 entries. So definitely keep them coming. The drawings in two weeks, April fifteenth, the May, and that whoever wins will be co-hosting the May thirteenth show with me. So it'll be a lot of fun. So if you ever ever dreamed of doing co-hosting on a podcast, a sports show, you know definitely uh, definitely put your name and you know send me a message, and uh, let's keep it going. Let's keep the the thing growing. It's it's really an interest. It's getting pretty big. It's getting uh, very exciting. So, all the people that are already uh, submitted, and we still got two weeks left. So we're gonna we're gonna probably cut off entries probably the day before April fourteenth, 
will probably be the last day I take entries. So I could tell, you know, and then April 15th, I get all the, all the names ready. And then April 15th, live on the air, we're going to pull the name. My, my son, Little Mojo, is going to pull the name out of the hat. So we're going to do that live on, live on the air. It's actually not even going to be out of the hat. It's going to be out of, like, a, a lottery machine, kind of, So which is cool. So we'll be doing that. And uh, so can we do that? And then later on as well, we're going to be talking a little, you know, obviously tomorrow's WrestleMania. And, you know, usually I don't do a lot of wrestling on the show, but I talk a little wrestling, especially with our own Magic Mike, who's always, uh, you know, has pro wrestling now on, on the network and a great wrestling show. So we're going to be talking to WrestleMania, obviously, and because uh, it's WrestleMania. I mean, WrestleMania is one of the biggest events. So we'll be doing WrestleMania. So Magic Mike will be calling in later, probably after 12 o'clock, probably like 12, 15. We'll be doing like a little uh, WrestleMania preview. We'll go over all the WrestleMania matches with Magic Mike. So that'll be fun, too. So let's kick back. Let's get ready to roll. And we're going to start off with everybody's favorite Bobby Thompson has done it, and Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born, marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man and Bobby Feller, the scooter, the barber, and the nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque. Especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Well, KC was winning. Hank Aaron was beginning. One Robbie going out, one coming in. Kiner and Midget Goodell, the Thumper and Mel Parnell. And Ike was the only one winning down in Washington. I'm talking baseball. Klazuski, Campanella, talking The Scooter, the Barber, and the Duke They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque Especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke Now my old friend, the Bachelor Well, he swore he was the Oklahoma kid And Cookie played hooky to go and see the Duke me, I always love Willie May. Those were the days. Well, now it's the 80s, and Brett is the greatest, and Bobby Bonds can play for everyone. Rose is at the vet, Rusty again is a Met, and the great Alexander is pitching again in Washington. I'm talking today. Like Reggie Cleveland-Berry talking baseball Carew and Gaylord Terry Siva, Garvey, Schmidt and Vita Blue If Cooperstown is tall and it's no fluke They'll be with Willie Mickey and the Duke Talking with 
song never gets old, everybody. Baseball season is here, and that, to me, always will be the best baseball song. Only fitting to start off baseball season with that song because to me, nothing, nothing's even compared to that song. So, all right, so here we go. Opening day, two days, well, one day away, two days for the Mets, one day for the Yankees. I'm so used to Monday being opening day. But uh, looking for, I can't wait. So definitely got that opening day feel. I'm going to the game, me and Little Mojo going to the game. So definitely excited about that. We'll be going Monday morning with Steve from Pittsburgh and Mikey, my nephew Mikey. So we're going to have a good time and uh, be a lot of fun. So looking forward to that. Obviously, tomorrow the Yankees. So let's start it off. We'll start off by talking about the Yankees as they're the first game. So obviously they made some roster decisions now, the Yankees. So So obviously now you're looking at, Obviously, they picked Aaron Judge to play right field. And listen, the thought that they were going to put Aaron Hicks, who's a career journeyman, out, defensive outfielder, who can't hit because he hit half decent in a spring training, was ridiculous, okay? And if, if they were to name, I don't care, options, this and that. You got to play, you want to play your best player. Give me a break. Enough, especially with the Yankees. The Yankees ain't worried about giving a guy a contract a year earlier. They're really not. So they're not like that. The Mets are like that. The Mets will hold somebody back on purpose when they should, not the Yankees. So you knew, you know, you knew, you knew Judge was going to be the guy. I mean, it was pretty obvious Judge was going to be the guy there. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what he could do now in the everyday role, obviously. But uh, listen, he has he has great power. Obviously, he's going to strike out, but he did cut out the strikeouts. I got to say, and uh, the strikeouts were definitely down to him in the. Uh, in the exhibition season, that's for sure. So he, he did do a good job of that. But so you're looking at that, obviously Severino was named the number four pitcher. It looks like the Yankee rotates. So hang on, we'll go position by position. So obviously Sanchez is catcher. We all know that. Great young budding star. So we're gonna see we're gonna see how sophomore season if he could uh, keep the momentum going from his rookie season. Greg Bird is the starting first baseman. Big spring and uh, big expectations obviously taking over for Teixeira. And, uh, you know, I think they're going to get good power numbers out of Bird this year. Saul and Castro is second. Obviously, Didi at short, but he's hurt. So it looks like Torres is going to start the season as the shortstop. The Yankees kept uh, Pete Cosmer on the roster as well, backup shortstop. Good defensive player. Chase Headley at third base. Obviously, I, I know I've said it in the show in the past. I'm not a Headley guy. I'm just not a big Chase Headley fan. I don't. I, I think the Yankees clearly overpaid when they got him. There's no point, but whatever. They seem to like him, and I guess so. That's all that matters. All right. And then you have Gardner, Ellsbury, and Judge in the outfield. Obviously, Ellsbury looking to bounce back. Gardner, you know, Gardner gives you. He is what he is. He gives you. He's a gritty player. He'll give you. He'll get on base so he can run. You know, give you a little pop. You know, obviously give you good defense. Ellsbury, the Yankees definitely need him to have a bounce back year. That's for sure. Ellsbury clearly has to have a good year for them to, to compete. Yankees need a lot to break out for them. Obviously, Matt Holliday's the DH. Starting pitching, obviously, is a big question mark. Their bullpen is strong with Chapman, Batantis, and Clifford. But they need – their starting pitching is the question. They have Tanaka. But then they have Pineda, Sabathia, Severino, and Brian Mitchell, who are all question marks at this point behind Tanaka. Obviously, for the Yankees to compete for a playoff spot, Pineda has to have a good year. You even heard Girardi and Cashman say it this week. 
they need Pineda to have a, a good year for them to, to have a, a legitimate chance at a, a, a you know a good chance at getting on the playoffs. So they clearly you clearly need that. And then the development of Severino is Severino going to be able to you know take that next step? He had a down year, but listen, people panic on young players too much. If they have like a bad start or a bad game, people tend to panic. You know, don't panic. Write it out. He's a young, talented pitcher. He worked with Pedro Martinez this offseason. Let's give the guy a chance and see what he does. Listen, anybody time you work with Pedro Martinez, you know, that's a good thing, all right? So let, let's give the guy a chance. Let's see how it pans out for the Yankees. And uh, I don't think, I, you know, I said last week, I don't think the Yankees will make the playoffs, although I think they'll be in the race. You know, they'll be in the mix. They'll make things interesting and stuff. But I don't think uh, – necessarily that they're, they're going to be in in the race. I mean, in the wild card. So, you know, they'll make an interesting. But now the thing everybody's got to remember, so if the Yankees are in the race late in the year, we all know that they'll go out and make moves. That's the thing. So if they can get themselves in the race somehow, you know, into like, I guess right by the July, you know, the July trade deadline, you know, by 31st, if the Yankees are, like, in the playoffs or within a game or two, then you can see the Yankees going out and making moves. Now the thing is, how much do they, you know, trade the future? Like, who's available? Do they have – are they willing to trade the guys that were clearly shopping Jose Quintana, who's, you know, a great get for the Yankees if they could get Jose Quintana? But what's the price? Are the Yankees willing to give up Clint Frazier in the deal? Are they, they're not going to give up Torres at the shortstop, but – they're going to have to give up something. You're getting one of the top young pitchers in baseball. You have to give up something good. So, if you, you know, one of, you know, I don't know if Tyler Austin and a couple of prospects could get it done. To me personally, it's going to take probably Frazier and a good, really good pitching prospect and probably another prospect. You're talking about one of the best young pitchers in the game here who's under control for the next three years. So, I, I, I you know, to me, it's a, it's a move, but, you know, what if the Yankees were really going to make that move to trade one of these guys, wouldn't they try to go all in for Chris Sale? That's the thing. The only thing is Sale, again, has a reasonable contract for the next, I believe, two years, but then Sale's going to get paid. I mean, they're both going to get paid at some point, but Sale, to me, Sale's going to get really paid soon, and it's probably going to happen soon. So they had to make a decision on Sale. They still have time on Quintana, the White Sox. They don't have to do something right away, but Something, something, something's going to get done. I wouldn't be surprised if Quintana's traded. Before, you know, in the next few days, it could happen. The White Sox were clearly trying to get rid of him before opening day. Now, obviously, opening day is two days away from the White Sox. The odds are he's going to be there and he's being an opening day pitcher. But don't be shocked if you see something like that. And now they're saying the Cardinals are, are kind of interested. So, We'll see what happens there. It'll be interesting. I'm sure a lot of teams are interested in Jose Quintana. Who wouldn't be? He's a, he's a great, great pitcher. So, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for the Yankees. But you got you know, as a Yankee fan, I know a lot of Yankee fans I know are excited because, you know, like see new blood, young players, not the same old, overpaid, declining veterans that the Yankees have been known to have in the past. Obviously, they have a couple still on the roster and. Ellsbury, Headley, and Sabathia, but those contracts, you know, well, Headley's got a couple of years left, but uh, and so does Ellsbury, but Sabathia's contract will be off the books. And believe it or not, Sabathia actually had a pretty decent year last year. So Sabathia actually bounced back nice for them. To me, 
we always saw that. Obviously, his arm, his arm's been not the same in the last couple of years. But to me, he's never been the same since he lost all that weight. The that year, he lost all that weight that year, and he's never been the same since then. Ever since that, he came back, and he was just like he hasn't had the velocity. Then last year, he came back heavier, but it just seemed like and he, he pitched better. But just he hasn't been the same pitcher. Now listen, it's a combination of things. Innings, the guy had a lot of innings on his arm. There's no, there's no denying how many innings he's pitched, and uh, just the wear and tear. And you know he's clearly lost something off his fastball. Now the guys that lose something off their fastball, the key is, you know, how, how do they, how do they find other ways to pitch? You know, like guys like Pedro when he lost his his. 99-mile-an-hour fastball, 98-mile-an-hour fastball, he became a pitch, better pitcher. Now, he was always a great pitcher. He threw multiple pitches, but <clears throat> he knew – he found other ways to win games. He found other ways to hit the strike zone. Greg Maddox, he was never a big thrower, but perfect pitcher. Santana, Joanne Santana did it as well late in his career. He, he learned how to be a pitcher. He ended up throwing a no-hitter. That was clearly never the same after that. No-hitter he threw with the Matt Diva. But I'm just trying to point out that when guys get older, they try to they got to reinvent themselves in a certain way to, to get themselves back where they need to get, which you may see with, you know, Matt Harvey eventually. Obviously, very encouraging with Harvey that he's throwing 96, 97 his last couple of spring starts. But before that, it was definitely worrisome because he was throwing 91, 92. And, and what happened last year, I was starting to say, will Harvey ever get it back? And, and the injury he's coming off of, you know, it's not an easy injury to come off of. Like I spoke about on the past, you know, the best pitcher that's ever had this injury was Josh Beckett. And, you know, he came back, he was still pretty decent, but he was never the same pitcher he was before the injury. So it's definitely something to, to keep in mind. And then, so we'll see. I mean, Yankees, Tampa, obviously Tampa, Archer coming off of, uh, you know, a year where he lost 19 games at a high year, right? But, you know, the team didn't help him out either. You know, I don't see much changing. Obviously, he's not as bad as a 9-19 pitcher. Archie's a very excellent pitcher, and he's still second in the AL in strikeouts. So, but, you know, we'll see how it plays out with, with that. Tampa, obviously, I don't see Tampa going anywhere, really. I mean, they're going to hit some home runs, but they're not really a powerful team that you're really going to look at and say, you know, they're going to contend. So, I look for a guy like Longoria even to possibly be traded this year, most likely. So, we'll see how that plays out. And then we look into Monday, and the Mets, obviously, you know, like we just talked about the Yankees. Yankees are looking to contend possibly for a wild card, but are more still in their little rebuild mode, which has obviously been looking good for them. They, you know, Cashman did a great job with trade. So another year or two, the Yankees should be set up in excellent shape. Right now, the Mets are set up to win now. The Mets are looking to win now, the way their roster is constructed. So obviously the familiar news came down this week. You got 15 games. Obviously, everybody thought maybe it might have been 20, so it was definitely a, a nice that they, they got cut down to 15, so that was definitely huge. And uh, so, for the Mets, and especially with Reed having a shaky spring. So, and, you know, I look at the Mets bullpen, I've been saying, though, it, it scares me. You know, you have Familiar and Reed, then you have, you know, you have the same guys. You have Salas, Blevins, Robles, Mocha, Edgen. These guys scared me last year, so there's no reason for me to feel comfortable this year. Now, Obviously, the top end, familiar, I'm comfortable with. Obviously, he had some moments in the big games, but what closes don't? I mean, everybody's like, he just, what closes don't? Other than Mariano Rivera, I mean, what closes don't have problems in big games sometimes? I mean, obviously, it stinks, but, you know, it happens. Look at Brad Lynch. The guy was lights out one year, and then the guy, Pujols hit that home run off him in the playoffs. It ruined it. The guy was never the same again in his career. He had one good year. A couple of years later, he did have a big year with Philly. 
to me, closers, they come in. They're pretty, you know, other than Mariano Rivera, there's a few others, but they don't come. They, closers come and go, you know, and, you know, familiar to me is solid. You know, he's going to give you solid production. And, you know, a lot of the blown saves in the postseason, too, weren't even his fault. I mean, that World Series, every time he came in, it was second and third in a one-run game with no, I mean, like, those are all of the, those almost impossible situations to get out of. You know, not everybody's Mariano Rivera, you know, so but I really would have wished the Mets would have gotten one more arm. Maybe they will. So hopefully when they do, it's not too late. You know, but I, I would have loved to see one more arm. But, listen, the rotation is solid. It's in the guard, the Grom and Harvey. Obviously, don't get back. obviously, they got more bad news with Matt. Obviously, Matt is going to be out six weeks, maybe, they're saying. that I mean, you can't throw for three. So then you start your throwing program, and then you got a couple of, you know, outings in the minors. So you're looking at maybe mid, mid-May for – Max at the earliest, which is, you know, bad news. You know, you look at the Mets' big five from, a, you know, a couple of years ago, obviously, Simbigard, DeGrom, Harvey, Max, and Wheeler. And, you know, they've never pitched a full-time through the rotation in a row, five games in a row. That's pretty amazing, if you really think of it. It goes to show you how fragile and how how the game is in general and how how close – like, when you've got a chance to go for it, you've got to go for it because you don't know what the next year or the next day even guarantees you. And that was my problem with the Mets as far as going out and getting things. Go get that other reliever that's going to put you over right now. You got The window is not big. You know, you got guys, if they get hurt, you got to pay these guys on top of it. So there's no guarantee how long the staffs can be together. So now's the time to go for it. You know, obviously, Wheeler steps in for Mets. Now, Giselleman won the fifth spot, and he deserves it. The Mets got, you know, a few injuries now. Obviously, Mass is hurt. Obviously, Familia suspended. And then Lugo looks like he's going on the DL now. Legarek is probably going to start the season on the DL. I mean, you know, back up outfield, and so is Nemo. So now the Mets' outfield depth ain't as good as it was to start the year as well. So if you look at the outfield now, obviously you got the starters, the set. You got Bruce in right, Granison in center, Legarek in left, uh, Legarek in left. Cespin is in left, and then you have Conforto is the fourth outfield, and then you have Lagaris and Nemo who would be fifth and sixth outfielders. To me, you've got six outfielders like that. That's nice depth. Lagaris is a guy you're going to bring in in seventh, eighth, ninth innings for defense for Granderson late in games in center field, right? So you're going to do that. You may even move Granderson to right and take Bruce out when that happens, okay, for defense. That's fine. Conforto has to get it back. So I would think there's going to be a lot of rest coming on. For Bruce and Granderson, and I would also think, don't be surprised if you see Bruce play a little first base and Conforto play the outfield in certain games as well. Because they got to get Conforto's bat in the lineup. You can't, you know, the guy's too good. Is you know, you know, if you're, you can't let him just sit on the bench. The guy, the guy's got to play. So you know, he's not going to play every day. Obviously, right now, next year he will. As long as he, you know, improves this year, he will be the guy next year in right field. With Bruce's and Granderson's contract up, so also I met Saint signing both of them. The Mets may not sign neither of them after the year, so we'll see how that plays out. Obviously, third base is Reyes starting, leading off. Shortstops is Rubio Cabrera. Second base is Neil Walker, and first base is Duda, and catches Darnell. And then you have your backup, Renee Rivera. You have Wilma Flores, T.J. Rivera, and and then now the Mets will probably carry, and they're carrying Ty Kelly as well. So Ty Kelly will be held because of the injury to Ligaris. So I guess when Ligaris comes back, Kelly will probably uh, get sent back down. 
So, listen, the Mets got solid lineup. Mets are going to score runs. I can tell you that. They're probably going to hit a lot of homers like last year. There's probably going to be a lot of strikeouts again. So, get used to that as well, everybody. But I, I think Mets are going to score runs. I think the starters are going to be fine. To me, again, the bullpen is the question. But this is a, this is a team that could contend. So, you know, Mets fans should be very excited going into this year. Obviously, there's still holes, but what team don't look at any team? What team doesn't have an issue somewhere? Everybody has an issue somewhere. And maybe the Cubs don't. That's about it. But everybody has, pretty much has an issue somewhere. Cubs and the Indians look good, though. I know a lot of people are predicting a rematch. It's so hard to have a rematch in a World Series, so it really is. But the Cubs and Indians are both. I mean, the Cubs, are, we know, are strong. Indians added in Canarsione. I mean, so you you got two teams, you know, from the, coming back from the World Series last year that are, are both strong and primed to try to go back. So we're definitely looking at a you know uphill battle for a lot of teams to try to catch. Especially, listen, the Indians. You know, can they repeat it? That's the thing everybody's going to want to see. The Cubs, we know with the Cubs, the Cubs are just a stacked team right now. So you know, it's going to be hard for somebody. To, to knock off the Cubs, but it could happen. So anything could happen, especially in a playoff series. <clears throat> and, you know, during the season, you got to see guys stay healthy. But, I mean, the Cubs <clears throat> won the World Series. Now they got Schwarber coming back. Which, you know, obviously they lost Chapman, but they added Wade Davis. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, Chapman signed back with the Yankees. So that's another 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 thing to watch, I guess, to see how Wade Davis does. But, um, wait, listen, we, Wade Davis was one of the best relievers in the league before he got hurt as well last year. So. We'll see what happens there. I think that as baseball approaches, you know, we're ready to rock and roll on another great season. And, uh, you know, Mets got big World Series expectations. The Yankees got playoffs. You know, they're talking playoffs, but, you know, they, they know they're realists as well. They're trying to keep it, uh, you know, if things break their way, they can be in the race. If not, you know, if not, obviously they keep the rebuild going. The Yankees ain't going to do nothing to kill the rebuild. Unless they're really close this year, I don't see them trading prospects at the deadline. Unless, like, a, a, a player becomes available like that, they just covet and they really want. That's the only way I see that happening, personally. So we'll see how that happens. And uh, so just taking a look back quick at my uh, at my predictions from last week. So so obviously I had, I had the Mets winning the NL East. I had the Cubs winning the Central and the Dodgers winning the West. And then I had my two wild cards, the Nationals and the Giants. And then in the AL, I had Boston winning AL East, the Central, the Indians, and the West, Houston. And then my two wild cards were Toronto and Texas. Then I had the Nets over the Giants in the wild card. I had Toronto over Texas in the wild card. Then I had the Mets over the Dodgers and the Cubs over the Nets in the division series. And Boston over Toronto and Houston over Cleveland in the division series. Then in the championship series, I had the Mets over the Cubs in a great seven-game series, and I had Boston over Houston. And then in the World Series, I predicted another classic Mets-Red Sox World Series with the Mets winning in a six-seven game. I think I said seven, so I'll stay with my seven-game prediction, the Mets over the Red Sox in the World Series. Then I also had MVPs at Harper and Mookie Betts, and I'll tell you, I'm really torn on the AL because I really want to give it to Machado. I think to me, Machado, other than the next best player to Trout in the AL, and maybe the second, third, between me, I think Trout and Hoffer are the best two, and I think Machado's third. It's just my opinion. And uh, 
but I'm not, I'm going to pick Pets just because I don't think Baltimore is going to make the playoffs this year. So, and I personally, I think Baltimore is going to be in fourth place. So, I'm going to I'm going to pick uh, Mookie Betts and Harper, and then Saw Young. I had Kershaw and Sale, and then rookie of the years I had Darby Swanson and Benedano from Boston as my rookie as my. Uh, so I have Boston winning three awards: the MVP, Saw Young, and rookie of the year. So it shows you how high I am on Boston this year. So even with Ortiz retiring, I think Boston. I think Boston's prime for a big year. And I'll tell you, on Boston, too, I will be surprised if Bogost is in the MVP mix along with that this year. I think those two young players are really uh, going to keep them keep Boston moving even without Ortiz. And, you know, obviously Benedetto, and, and they're just stacked teams still. Even with losing Ortiz, I mean, they still got a great team. So, you know, I think, you know, obviously they're going to miss – they'll miss the power production, obviously, of, uh, of Ortiz, who wouldn't. You know, but I think uh, overall, I think they'll be fine. I think uh, Haley Ramirez, you know, let's listen, nobody really realized how good of a year Haley Ramirez had last year. I mean, he really had a big year last year, Haley Ramirez. I mean, he had, he had 30, 30, almost 100 RB, over 100 RB. I mean, the guy just had a great year. I mean, so nobody could, uh, nobody could uh, definitely not say anything about, uh, Henry Ramirez production. We all know he could produce. So, but you know, I think uh, to me that staff with Sale, if Price is healthy with Sale, Price and Porcello, that's just to me that's scary. You're looking at a scary lineup right there, and uh, I, you know, I'm a scary rotation. And then they have again the scary. And I, 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 like I said, I already said they have a scary lineup. And then obviously with Kimbrel, I think Kimbrel has a better year than he had last year. He still had a good year, but he was. He wasn't the Kimbrough you normally see last year. So with Kimbrough starting, you have Sale, Price, Portello, Pomeranz, and Stephen Wright, who's an all-star last year, is their fifth starter. You know, they have Sandy Leone as the catcher, Mitch Moreland, first base. But, you know, that's the thing, you know, how much production Moreland going to give him. Pedroia at second, Bogart short, Sandoval's in great shape at third. The outfielder, Benetendo, Pretendi, uh, Jackie Bradley, Mookie Betts, and then the DH of Hanley Ramirez. So, Red Sox are set up pretty nicely, I must say. So, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Obviously, so I was saying, Hanley Ramirez last year, 30 homers, 111 RBI, 286 average, nine steals. Obviously, you don't run like you used to, but you don't need to. They don't want him to run. You don't want him to get hurt now. So he's been known to get injured and stuff. So, you definitely don't want him running much, as much anymore especially as he gets a little older now. So you want to keep him on the field. But, you know, DH is definitely going to help him now as well. And so I think they'll be all right. I'll tell you, there was, there was some, there was some uh, floating rumors this year that Big Poppy might have returned, but that's not going to happen now. So we'll see what happens there. All right, so definitely call in. Let's hear some callers, 718-508-9883. So in the meantime, right now, I'm going to start doing some uh, – just going to start my, my rankings. I'm going to do the rankings throughout the show, and then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go – we'll work it from there. But I'm going to start – you know, we'll, we'll start going position by position, and then, you know, as, as we get callers, we, we'll, we'll stop, and then we'll go back to it and that type of stuff. So, obviously, catches, looking at the catcher position. To me, Posey's still number one, obviously, you know, Oh, you know, what can you say about Posey? I mean, just an all-around great play. I don't think anybody will argue that Posey's the best catcher in baseball. I mean, it would be 
dumb to argue that. Even all you Yankee fans out there who love Sanchez, let's see him do it a little more before we put him in that class. I mean, Posey's a legitimate all-star player, so he's number one. Number two, now this is a tough one, I got to say. Now, number two, for me, it was between, you know, I want to put Sanchez there, is what he did last year, but to see a little more of it, like, so I'm going to put, I'm going to put Lucroy second. Also, you know, you know, I don't know, you know, it's a tough call. You know, it's fantasy, it's not real baseball, so I think Sanchez is still going to hit 25 home runs, at least, maybe 30. You know, the thing with Sanchez, he's obviously coming off a great year, the expectations are so high, so how many times does a guy have a, have a drop off the next year? And that's what's why. So I'm going to say, I'm going to stick with Luke Roy, number two. I'm going to have Sanchez, three. I love this Contreras kid on uh, the Cubs. I'm going to put him four. I'm going to put JT Realimuto, five, from Florida. I'm going to put Salvatore Perez at six. I'm going to put, let's see. Now remember, defense don't count in fantasy. So I'm going to put, I think, see, stop McCann and Gaddis. You got two catches on the same team, so it's hard to rank. I'm going to put them right on both on ten because they're both catches and they're both good. You know, I'm also going to add Grand Yasmini Grandal to the list. Russell Martin, who I think is going to bounce back. Matt Weeders, who I think is going to bounce back big. I actually expect big things out of Weeders. You know me, I wanted the Mets to sign the guy. And uh, Russell Martin, I think, will bounce back, too. So that would pretty much be my – the catches I would go at. Obviously, later, if you want some catches later, Stephen Voigt's a good pick. Wilson Ramos, you might miss some time, but he's a guy to keep an eye on. The Walters – and Murphy and Walters kids from Colorado, keep an eye on. Don't go near Travis Dono. Trust me on that one. So, you know, that, that's what I'll say about catches for now. <clears throat> First base. All right, Goldschmidt, obviously, is number one to me. And then Cabrera is number two. I still think Cabrera bounces back. Goldschmidt, to me, you're looking at at least, you're looking at at least 25 to 30, 100, you know, 20-plus steals, 300 average. Goldschmidt's a solid, great all-around player. Miguel Cabrera, I look for a big year out of him. He was another guy I was actually concerned about MVP because I think he's going to have that good of a year. But I, think, I don't think Detroit's going to make the playoffs, so I didn't add him. I'll say Anthony Rizzo, third. Obviously a stud first baseman of the Cubs. I'm going to say I don't think Murphy's going to have as good a year as he had last year. And I think Myers might have a little dip. I'm going to say this one's tough. I'm going to say Edwin Canarcion next. I think he's going to have a month. He's going to do a lot of DHing. Then I'm going to put Freddie Freeman. I think Freeman's going to have a big year, too. I think, you know, Braves definitely improved their team. And then Joey Votto, so that's six. Uh, Votto's six. I'll put Mur- I'm going to put Abreu, Jose Abreu, seventh. I'm going to put Murphy, eighth. I'm going to put Chris Davis, ninth. And then, so I'll tell you, it's, it's something you see a guy. Actually, I'm going to put Chris Davis, tenth. I'm going to put Polos, ninth. Now, Polos probably ain't going to qualify until after this year first base. So it's probably your last year getting polos at first base. But there's still so many other solid first basemen. Obviously, Will Myers, like they said. Matt Carpenter, but he qualifies for first, second, and third, which is a, a nice luxury. Carlos Santana, another guy. Eric Hosmer, Brandon Belt, Adrian Gonzalez. So it's a very deep position. I like Greg Bird. Some guys that 
seen on the radar by Josh Bell on Pittsburgh, another guy I would keep an eye on. So that's first base I would keep an eye on. Second base, uh, Altuve is number one that I'm going to put. Now, I had Murphy listed at first, but he's also second, you know, so he's considered both. Obviously, he qualifies for both. But I'm going to put Trey Turner second. No, I'm sorry. What am I doing? I'm going to put Cano second, Trey Turner third, Daniel Murphy fourth, Brian Dozier fifth. So that's going to be my top five. Then I'm going to put Dee Gordon, who I think is going to bounce back, Ian Kinsler, Odor, eight, and Phil Carpenter in there, Mr. Versatility, nine. I like Kipnis, but he's hurt, so I'm not going to put him there. I, I'm going to put – I like Shoop. Jonathan Shoop I'm going to put up there. I like – and now other guys, DJ LeMahieu, Segura, Pedroia, Zobrist. I love Javier Baez. Neil Walker I like a lot. To go back to Javier Baez, I love him. I just don't know how much he, he's going to be a utility guy moving around. The guy should be playing every day. I actually love Javier Baez. So another guy to keep an eye on. Definitely a sleeper in this draft. Not really a sleeper, but – you know, it seems when a guy's not playing every day, seems to get you know, seem to forget about him sometimes. So we'll see what's going on there. Third base, Manny Machado, to me is number one. Then I have Chris Bryant, number two, Arenado, number three, and Josh Donaldson, number four. Now, listen, with these four guys, you could pick them anywhere you want because they're four studs. So you get any of those four, you have on. I can tell you right now because any of those four guys. You're very happy. Obviously, Arenado might have the best power numbers. You know, obviously, he's in Colorado. I'm not sure about that. I actually think Machado's going to hit over 40 homers this year, and I think Bryant could have 40 homers, and Donaldson, we know, could have 40 homers. So, all four of these guys could have 40 homers. If you get any of these four guys on your team, you've got to feel good about your position on your third base. That's for sure. Looking at some other guys, obviously, you got guys like Beltre, Longoria, you got Jonathan Villar. You got Matt Carpenter again. We talked about Kyle Seeger, Todd Frazier. Now, I like some young kids. I like Bregman. I like, uh, obviously, Rendon style. That young Sano, I like. Another young player I like. Franco is good. And then, you know, some under the radar guys. Obviously, Baez qualifies for the Mustakis. But under the radar guy, maybe like a Jake Lamb, like a guy late if you're desperate. You know, guys like that. Jose Reyes. Another guy to plug in there. So just nobody take David Wright. He's not coming back. None of these Mets fans jump on the right there. I'm going to draft David Wright. That's all I'm telling you. All right. Sure. Now we've got shortstop. Now another great position. Now I had Machado with 30. He also qualifies for short. So to me, if he's qualifying for short, I put him first. Okay. Then I have Carlos Correa second. I have Corey Seager. I have Xander Bogart, again, four guys that you can be happy with. Any of the four, if you get, you're, you're ecstatic how you walk out of this draft, okay? Lindor, another guy. Another spot. Trevor Story, you'll be happy. Addison Russell, you'll be happy with. Okay, Villar, and place shortstop and third. Segura, another guy, short and third. Elvis Andrews, can he bounce back? Tulowitzki, who everybody's forgetting about. Obviously, Dan B. Sponson, who I mentioned. So, so many good young players. Brandon Crawford, another good. 90 RBIs last year. So, I'll tell you, it's one of these years where shortstop and third base are deeper than they've been in a long time. Shortstop was never this deep. 
Shortstop is such a deep position now. But you can end up with any of these guys. I mean, especially Machado, Correa, Seager, Lindor, Bogart. Any of those five guys, you're happy. Obviously, Story, Russell. So you're happy with any of these guys. Almighty Diaz, another young guy on the Cardinals. So there's so much, so much to pick from at, at, at shortstop. It might not even be something if you don't get one of those big four and four or five in the beginning. It might be something to even wait on at such a deep position, not to have to jump right away if if those guys go off the board before you're ready. So just something to keep an eye on, you know, and something to think about. Outfield. Obviously, I, Trout have one. Harper, too. Obviously, to me, they're the two best players in baseball. You have Mookie Betts up there. Now, listen, you have guys now. Alfred has another just very deep position. I'm just going to throw names out there. It's no particular order. Just so you know, before I get into the outfielders, Bryant and Trey Turner both qualify for outfielder. Obviously, if you draft these guys, you're putting them at either second, short, first, Turner, or Bryant. You're not really putting these guys in the outfield. But just letting you know where they qualify for. Then you got guys, obviously, Scarlett Marte, Carlos Gonzalez, Ryan Bourne, our man, Cespedes, Stanton, who I'm forgetting, Giancarlo Stanton, who may, could be third on this list if he stays healthy. He probably will be third or fourth on this list. So Stanton's a guy who may dip into the third, third round, possibly fourth round because of his history of injuries. But he's a guy you grab there you feel comfortable about that if he's healthy, he's going to hit your 40 plus home runs. There's no question. He can hit your 40 home runs, but I'll even play a full season. I mean, that's how, how good he is. And he's, you know, you got to figure he's coming in ready to play this year and motivated after his offseason. So, some other guys, let's go some other. Nelson Cruz, McCutcheon. Will McCutcheon bounce back? Another guy, it's a good question. How early does a guy like McCutcheon go? You know, Schwaber. Now, he's a guy I didn't mention a catcher. Some leagues he qualifies as a catcher, so it depends what league you're in. If you're in ESPN or Yahoo, he qualifies for catcher. CBS, he doesn't. Your league may have certain rules. You know, it all depends on your league rules. Like my league has rules where you got to play 20 games this season before at a position. So his, his situation is unique because he got hurt after the first game last year. And during the early in the second game, he went down. So that's why his situation was unique. But you know, it really depends on your league rules when it comes to him. Batista, who I think is going to have a monster year. Adam Jones, Trumbo coming off a big year. There's so much talent. Jackie Bradley, Matt Kemp, Gregory Polanco, Yellick, Springer. I mean, I'm just throwing names out there. You know, there's, there's, so, many, there's so many outfielders that it, it's Lorenzo Kane, a guy nobody's even talking about. You're another guy who can come in and give you. So outfield's very deep as well. Obviously, you want to get – most leagues have anywhere from three to five outfielders. Mine has five. So when you get into that fourth, fifth outfield, sometimes it can get a little thin. But uh, more or less, everybody – most teams in a league should get at least, I would think, two, two solid outfielders in a redraft league, without a doubt, maybe more. So we'll see. You know, it really depends on your draft and how your draft goes. But outfield's something that – you know, if you don't get one of the top guys, is another thing you wait on. Really, you know, to me, fantasy, you want to still, you want to get the best players available early, no matter where they play. You know, to me, I've always been a guy that you get a top hitter, obviously, or you take, you know, I've never been afraid to take a top pitcher in a scratch draft, like a Kershaw early. Because how can you go wrong with a Kershaw, you know? So pitching is just as important. It's five categories, just like sitting. You know, the only thing is pitch is pitch every five days. 
but you still need a good staff. Pitching wins fantasy leagues, you know. So don't be afraid to take a guy like Kershaw early in the draft. If, if one of the bats, especially if one of the bats you really covered, a Trout, Harper, you know, Machado, Bryant, one of these guys are gone, you know, don't be afraid to take a Kershaw early. You know, obviously I have Kershaw one on my list. You know, I have then you can just go through a list. I mean, it's just there's tons of starting pitching. I mean, you got Bumgarner, you got Scherzer, you got Sale, you got Syndergaard, you got Kluber, you got Arietta, you got Lester, you got Cueto, Orlando, Darvish, Archer, who I think's going to bounce back. Carlos Martinez, Strasburg, Degrom, Tanaka, Quintana, Cole. There's so much pitching, but again. Everybody, you'll probably get, you know, Zach Frankie, David Price. Everybody will probably, you'll probably get two or three really good starters, depending how you go about starting rotation. Another thing, you definitely want to grab a pitcher in the first three rounds because you don't want to be left, you know, picking from, you know, you don't want your number one pitcher to be like a number three pitcher because that, and plus you want to get strikeout guys. The strikeout guys are going to die. So that's just another thing to keep an eye on. And then just closing it out with some closes, I think Ch- I have Chapman, one. Then I have Jansen, two. I have Kimball, three, who I think bounces back big. Zach Britton, if he's healthy, I have. Then you have guys like Wade Davis, you know, familiar when he comes back. Then you have Melancon, O from the Cardinals. You have Asuna from Toronto. Edwin Diaz, who I love from Seattle. You know, Kelvin Herrera on Kansas City. You got Giles on Houston. Andrew Miller, who that you know, he, now you got Andrew Miller. Obviously, Cody Allen's the other guy, and you know, obviously, you get him to save. But Andrew Miller, here's a guy that you think you still get ten to fifteen saves with, possibly ten wins, and he's going to give you two, give you two innings, and give you five strikeouts every time he pitches. So Miller to me is a valuable, definitely a valuable fantasy guy. And then you move down, you got guys like Dyson, K. Rod, Tony Watts, A.J. Ramos. Robinson, Colomay, there's plenty of closes out there. So closes is nothing I would rush to too early. Nobody really ever does in fantasy, but I, I clearly would wait a little on closes. So right, that's just a quick quick little uh, briefing through through the standings and then uh we'll uh you know I'm gonna get more I'm gonna get more into it a little later, obviously. And uh you know I'm gonna do some sleepers and busts later as well. Right now we're gonna hit the phone line in a minute. But before I do, I just want to let everybody know that the Mojo Sports Show is brought to you by Bay Ragney and the Mo- Totally Driven Entertainment Network, dedicated in bringing you total entertainment. So, again, as, as we get ready for opening day tomorrow, Yankees tomorrow, Mets Monday, excitement around the city, excitement around Major League Baseball. And there's no way, better way to kick it off and kick off the phone talk with my man, The Natural. My man, the Pat Man, what's going on? Good morning, Mr. Mojo. Can you hear me clearly? Yes, I hear you fine. What's going on? I tell you, this is the this is the absolute favorite time of the year. Um, 
you know, baseball's right upon us, my favorite time, my favorite sport. But also, even when we went through those bunch of lean years with the Mets, at this point, two or three days before the season opener, before two, three weeks in and we've seen really what we had, you always thought we had a chance. You know, those teams that are going to be 500 and below 500 and, and miss the playoff spot by a game or two, they still have hope right now. Everybody has hope, right? You never really know in this crazy game of baseball with 162 games to go. You don't know what's going to happen. And typically the predicted is the unpredictable. So yeah. it's just, the it's just a fantastic time. Everybody's tied for first right now. Absolutely. Everybody's tied for first and everybody's fighting for first. So, you know, if you, if you think, you know, as a, a, you know, as a person who played some ball and, and, and various sports, there's no game a real athlete goes in and thinks they're going to lose. They don't, you know, maybe no. at some point during the season, they, they feel that, you know, you know, their team doesn't have it or they, you know, have too much ground to cover and whatever. And you, and you kind of see that sometimes in August and September, but at this time of the year, I think everybody's being positive. Everybody's um, being proactive. Everybody's kind of juiced on how things are going to turn out. And you really just don't know. You know, the, the, the word dark horse, you know, <clears throat> you know, an underdog, you know, get, gets used. And, and it happens all the time. Look at the, the, what happened to the UConn woman last night. One of the biggest upsets right? in, in history. Um, well, plenty of you who know and listen to the show, I, I, I like women's basketball. And last night, to tell you the truth, I don't watch much of the Huskies for the simple reason is why, right? I like watching competitive basketball. But yesterday, I kind of flipped it on <laughs> right at halftime, so I missed some of the first uh, first half uh, um, fireworks. But, but, but what a half of a game I've seen. And, and to tell you, in my mind, um, I, I felt they were gonna gonna be upset. I mean, it sounded like it, you know. I mean, it felt like it um, until that call, you know, with 25 seconds left, that 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 flagrant uh, foul call, <clears throat> and they still yeah. overcame that. It was incredible. I agree. It was. That's what the thrill. That's why the tournament is so great, right? You just never know, right? I mean, it's just it's one game, and and it's a great <clears throat> it's a great example, right? A team was beaten by 62 points by, by the other club. 62 points. Year, I mean, yeah. yes. 62 points. That's a, that's, I mean, that's what, yeah, what team's scoring like a game. Did, right? and and, and, I mean, like I mean yeah, and, and, and yesterday <clears throat> um, the winning team scored, what, 68 points, and they lost by 62. Just think about that for a second. But for that coach – of, uh, uh, you know, the, the winning coach, uh, he had to instill in his kids confidence, which is very hard against a team like that, incredibly hard, right? He had exude confidence in them, and they had to feel confident feeding through him. He had to put a good game plan on the floor. <clears throat> they had to execute it, and they and him had to believe in each other and believe in that game plan. It's incredible. You know, any team can yeah, no, win at any was. time. Any team could win at any time, but once again, if if they played ten times, they probably would have lost nine of them, right? Hey, um, you know, for those of you don't, for those of you who don't know, you know, Padman is a very successful rec basketball coach who has a lot of banners in Midland Park in New Jersey, just so everybody knows here. A very successful, very rec and travel basketball coach. So, 
women's basketball. Yo. So hats off to you. Now, before we get into baseball, I am going to bring in some, you know, bring in an unedited, first I want to put the unedited version of the song on, but we're going to be joined by our man, Dr. A. <laughs> Good morning, Mojo. Good morning, Padman. Good morning, Dr. That is absolutely hilarious. No better than having a smooth operator join the round table. There you go. There you go. Hey, so listen, before we get into the season, let's talk a little about our little event yesterday that we went to, you know, at at Grand Central, a little Met rally, which was pretty cool, right? I mean, we weren't there long, but we got to see, you know, we got a picture with Mr. and Mrs. Met. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just to see – you see the excitement, right? You just see all the Mets fans there. It's just the excitement for the season, you know. It's just coming, you know. And it's nice I that we're job. lucky that it was right across the street from our job, right? So that helps, too. Right? So, <laughs> I, have a, I have a very good trivia question for you guys. Yes. What year what, – and, and I don't know the answer, so I guess it's a bad question, but what year did Mrs. Met come on the scene? Because I don't remember that as a kid growing up. I don't even remember that a couple of years ago. Mm, that's a good question. I remember it, it was she was there a long time ago, but then she like disappeared for a while, and then now she's back. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't actually. And the reason I asked it because, um, uh, you know, we took pictures yesterday. I was looking at them and the great shots, and I and and it kind of come to came to you know my mind. I said, well, where, where did she come back? I don't remember. All right, so. Mrs. Met, aka Lady Met, was 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 previously she was previously referred to as Lady Met, not Mrs. Met, and she <laughs> came in the scene in the '60s. So she came in the mid '60s, you know, after, soon after oh, the inaugural season. Uh-huh. She's one of Major League Baseball's oldest mascots. Really? Yeah. Wow. And, and I would have never thought. Yeah. One of the, the oldest is, mascots. That's a good question, then, Padman. 
Most people no, don't know. In the seventies, she was changed to Mrs. Met from Lady Met, and then and then uh, Mr. Mrs. Both they were both phased out by the Mets in the eighties, and then Mr. Met came back to the team in ninety four. Mr. Met. So the Mets got rid of them in the eighties, and then Mr. Met came back in ninety four. But then Miss, Mrs. Met remained out of out of the public eye for years to come. And then in the early 2000s, Mrs. Met reappeared. Oh, okay. That makes That's sense. That's Mr. Fish. So, yeah. So did, did, did Mr. Met come before? 2005, she came back. Did, did Mr. Met come prior to Mrs. Met? Who came first? They came at the same time, pretty much. Okay. Interesting. I like it. She was introduced by the Mets organization in the mid-60s. She's one of Major League's oldest mascots, like her male counterpart. So, yeah, I think they came about the same time, it says, pretty much. So, so that's interesting. So, so here we go, and this is a great question. So they said one of Major League's older, oldest mascots. Well, the Mets came into, into, into the league at, what, 1962, right? Yeah. So you're telling me – so they're a relatively newer team. So you're telling me that – so, so if he's a newer, uh, you know, one of the oldest mascots. Mr. Met, Mr. Met came first. He came in 1963, the second year he came. So what I'm saying is, so who is the oldest mascot, and and when did they appear? That's, I mean, that's you know, incredible. Because I, I wouldn't think it, that Mr. Met would be the oldest mascot because it's a newer franchise or it's an expanded franchise, right? Definitely. Yeah. I'm gonna find out that right now. We're going to find that out for you right now. The oldest mascot. Let's see, let's see what we got here. The oldest mascot in the history of Philly? baseball. Philly? I'm thinking Hang Philly. On. The Philly fanatic? Or the, the San, I'm going to say that or the San Diego chicken, I'm going to say. I'm trying to find it here, though. I got the history of mascots here. Hold on. We got the history. The San Diego Chicken. I was right. The San Diego Chicken. Mojo. The Philly Fanatic was second. Okay, it wasn't off by much. And then the Rally Monkey was third. So I wasn't. Okay, so far. You know what, Mojo? I'll take second to you anytime. And I gotta be honest, I'm not sure how. I just pulled something up, so I'm not sure how accurate this thing is I'm looking at right now. So I don't want to go out on the record right now and make that prediction if I'm wrong, you know. But uh, I think I'm, I think it is the San Diego Chicken, though. I really do. Really? See, I wouldn't have thought that, but okay, that's great. I, I should shouldn't say. I mean, that wouldn't have been my guess. Uh, the Philly fanatic would be there. You go. So, so that's interesting. So, anyway, I can't wait till next week till we hear Doctor A's analysis of pitch and catchonomics. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, whoa, whoa, whoa! I got an interesting answer. Obviously, I was wrong. We're both wrong. Mister Met was the first mascot ever in baseball. Really? 
The wow. tradition in Major League Baseball mascot began with Mr. Met introduced for the Mets when Shea Stadium opened in 1964. Wow. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Wow. I would have never guessed that one. The San Diego Chicken was second, and the Philly Fanatic was third. So there you go. We were close. Uh, so we're, we were close. Yeah, Mr. Met's an original. Like, how do you the original so the, baseball mascot? So the Mets in 1962, and, but we created a trend called the mascot that still holds true today. Yeah, crazy, right? So, so basically, whoever was the the, the 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 person on the Mets staff that created the mascot was a genius. Yeah, the guy, the guy, the guy should be have a permanent. You know, he should have that guy should have the best. Uh, Tension ever that guy right now from the Mets. Well, he he should he should have the Mets are probably still look paid. He's probably the Mets' highest paid executive. He's probably still getting paid even though he's retired. Like Bobby Bonilla. Well, let me let me let me tell you something. And I'm not kidding because <laughs> it is a part of baseball. It is a part of baseball. It is a part of baseball that has standed the test of time. To me, that guy should have a small mention in Cooperstown. I'm, I'm not kidding you. But the mascot. Yeah. It's like the. The guy who invented the helmet is in Cooperstown. The guy who invented spikes are in Cooperstown. You know, the guy who invented padding on the mouthfield wall is in Cooperstown. Why not the mascot guy? Yeah, I agree. Now, the big question is, was the Mr. Met, was the Mr. Met we've seen yesterday the original Mr. Met? <laughs> no way. No way, yeah. It's probably a variation <laughs> over the years, right? In 1962, my guess, in 1962, we probably had a cigarette in his mouth. <laughs> On the field. Hey, let's be glad in 2017, we're not looking at Mr. and Mr. Met. Something yeah. stupid like that. The, the original Mr. Met was Dan Riley, his name was. A native oh, of wow. New York. Okay. He, worked, he worked in the Met ticket department in 1962. He was a mascot until 1967 and left the organization in 1972. So it's an interesting little tidbit. All right. So now, Mr. Matt and Mr. Matt, obviously, and us, we're all excited about the season opening. And uh, I'm sure you guys are pumped for Monday or what? Oh, yeah. Yeah, most definitely. You know, baseball has a, a what feels like a long off season, you know, and we got on football and then I got a low in sports until this comes back until Monday. Then there's a game on all week for you. And everyone's got a shot. As they say, I think we all feel the Mets have a better shot than most teams. Yeah. I mean, obviously high expectations. So let's go through, let's look at some of the early season issues. All right. Now we know we obviously we're set up to contend this year. So let's just look now. Obviously, Matt caught in the air on the DL can miss up to six weeks. And then, uh, obviously, Miller and Giselman will be in the 4-5 slot right now. What do you guys think about that? You know, so I, I kind of thought Wheeler would be in the bullpen, maybe closing, but they're going to go with Reed, and due to injuries, Wheeler gets his, his spot. You know, it, during the season, they got to find out what we got in Wheeler. We've been waiting years and years for this guy. Is he going to be a dominant starter, or, does, or is he a fastball pitcher that ends up in the bullpen? 
if he stays healthy, maybe this will be the year that answers it due to circumstances and what happens with players on the team. Well, I don't I'll know about you, you guys. Little... I'm sorry, go ahead, Pat. I'm getting, I'm getting a little tired of that word potential and we are all in the same sentence. I'm with Dr. A as in, you know, it's time to see or not. If he if if he's not productive, you know, sometimes you just gotta move on. Um you know, he might have, you know, I'm tired of hearing he has better stuff than Syndergaard, he's better stuff than than than, than all these guys, he's better stuff than, than than the Dark Knight, you know, when he was at the top of his game. And the guy you know, I don't believe any player in any sport that has that gets hurt very often and is a chronic, chronic, uh, you know, injury injury prone, all of a sudden just becomes so healthy, you know. And in his case, when he's healthy, they say we're working on something. And I'm like, he's too many years in the league to be working on something. It just shows he's never been developed, or or he has weaknesses. And in fact, you should have traded him when he had value. But, you know, he's on the roster. He's getting his shot. Best of luck to him. I hope something good comes out of it after all this time. And to answer your question, question, I like Gazelman. He proved last year he could pitch on a major league level. He just adds value to us to continue to pitch like that on the major league level. I think it's fantastic he's getting another shot. I really do. Yeah. Hey, between the two and, of them, and, who's going to do and, better? Not to cut you off, but end. He pitched for us down the stretch in a playoff run. Yes. He didn't pitch in September, and and I know all the games mean the same, but it's different, different type of stress pitching when you're pitching in May and when you're pitching in September. And he was thrown into um, – uh, you know, start, a, lead, a lead lead starting role because of injury, and the Mets had great expectations, and the fans had expectations. He went in there, and he did a fantastic job. Uh, you know what I saw. So you know he proved he has the mental makeup. He proved he has the physical makeup. I mean, just like anybody else, he just has to do it over a period of time. You know, and he, and he did it for at least ten games, I would guess. I mean, I don't know for sure, ten, twelve games. I think he did fantastic. He deserves a shot, you know. And, yeah. and, and it's, it's more a matter of him is now teams are going to see him over and over, pitching a whole season, and does he get through it or not? He's definitely earned it. I agree with you that. And he, and he came in right in a wild card race with a lot of pressure to pitch and pitch I agree well. So. He definitely deserves it. And you know, for what it's yeah. worth, I've, I've never been a big spring guy, but he's having a big spring. He's having a nice spring. So, you know, and obviously Lugo is hurt. He's going on the DL. Obviously, Matt is on the DL. So, these guys are going to have to pitch, for, you know. So, well, and it's good that they have, it's I, good that they have the depth that they have because if they didn't, they have problems right now. I agree with you with spring training on a lot of levels for the players that are already have roster spots. A guy like Gazelman with the pitching staff the Mets have really isn't promised anything that he'll even be with the team, that he's not going to be, you know, back back in the minor league. So for him, I think the, the, the you know, spring training is not just a warm-up. He's out to prove something. So given that fact and the, the makeup that the Mets have, you know, 
I think it's a fantastic sign. Spring training, he, uh, he had a, a very solid uh, uh, outings. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think I agree with you 100 percent. There, I think the most important thing in spring training is is obviously uh, the young players. Obviously, you want to keep your veterans healthy, but your young players to see what they got, who's fighting for jobs. That's really what spring is about, right? To see who's going to win certain jobs. So, yeah. yeah, it means different things to different players, right? Uh, I think yeah. that's a great thought, Alan, yes. And then, obviously, you got guys like you look in the you know, outfield. So, obviously, the starting players are pretty much intact, but you have – you know, there's the, obviously their bench has gotten thin now with some injuries. So you lost, uh, obviously, Ligaris and Nemo are probably going to start the season on DLC. Outfield debt ain't as good as it was. You got, you know, you got your three. You got Bruce, Grandison, Cespedes, and then you have Conforto. So you got four solid outfielders. And you may even see Bruce play a little first to get, to get, uh, get Conforto in the lineup a couple of times, you know. But they're going to have to find ways to get Conforto in the lineup. You can't keep the guy up in the majors and let him just sit on the bench every day. So you got to find ways to get him in the lineup, in my opinion. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm looking at some of the the spring stats. He had 60 at-bats. That's almost, I think it's the most of any player. Uh, 18 hits, (laughs) four doubles. The home runs, just three. RBIs five, considering the at bats that he had. So they're they're trying to give him an opportunity. You know, but you don't want to see a guy like Conforto because it's spring that he's not getting a lot of at bats and they're looking at other players. So I would say they they got a good look at him and he had plenty of at bats to do something. Mets seem happy with with what he did, how he played, defensive, offensive. The numbers aren't astonishing, but 18 hits is good for, for spring. It's as much as I I agree, but 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 I think because he's not a center fielder and that's reality what we need. He's not a real center fielder. Um and Grandison isn't either. Um but you have Ligaris. I don't know where he fits in. If Bruce you're not touching you're not you know, you're not touching Cespedes. If Bruce is hot and even if he's not hot, I don't know how you take him out of the lineup. Um you know, maybe maybe so. So you're gonna he's gonna have an impact on the players. That, he's gonna impact on, on the players that are batting before and after him. So he's not moving either. So you got Grandison, who you're paying what 17 million a year, uh, and you got Lagaris, which is gonna defensive replacement. So I don't I still don't get where Conforto fits into the mix, barring injury. I just don't. Um, right. I well, like it. With, with I think he's going to get some around. playing time. I think they're going to try to mix around. I think, you know, Terry at his best. He's going to have, like, a different lineup every day. Uh, you mm-hmm. Get ready for that because you're not going to have a set lineup. Terry just does not believe in it. And then, uh, you know, look, you're looking at next year as his everyday shot, most likely. Well, would you it know, be fair to say Granison shouldn't play every day? Uh, very fair. That's very fair. I agree with you. you. Know, I, I especially, don't want to see especially we know, especially we know how how slow he gets his thoughts on. The yeah, but yeah, but wait a second, wait a second. But is is Conforto capable of really playing center field? As well, good as Grandison, probably. There you go. I mean, can he not? I mean, he's a young kid. He can't play center field as good as a thirty-eight-year-old. You know, I, I would think he would be able to. I mean, as an athlete, you know. 
I mean, I know I could step right in right now and play center field for them if they needed it, but that's, you know, <laughs> I, I ain't going to get that opportunity, though. So, you know. Hey, if Jay Bruce goes over for 20, I'll start here. I'd get him too. Yeah, and obviously next year, or if Duda gets hurt, and then they move Bruce to first, so, right? Although I think I think Flores would get first crack at that, at first, at that that situation. But you never know. With Terry, mm-hmm. you can't predict what Terry's going to do because it's, he's unpredictable. So it's hard, it's hard. The only thing you could predict is that he's going to have a different lineup almost every day. <laughs> right, when you find but one that when you're looking you at, Yeah, and when you're looking at for sure here, you're looking at... Next year, Bruce and Grandison are both free agents. They're definitely both not going to be back, and neither of them may be back. So, I guess the reason I started this questioning is, even when Laguerre is hurt and we don't have great outfield depth in what you pointed out before, Mojo, I don't know if I see a, a, a real play. I mean, did Conforto play a lot of center field in uh, spring training? Uh, I didn't think he did. I don't think I he didn't played much. No, I don't think he did. I don't think he played much. I didn't follow much. I can't say for sure, but what I did see, he wasn't in center field. So, I mean, you're talking about if if you're talking about the two corner guys aren't going anywhere much. Where is he going to play? Where is he going to get his at-bats? I don't get it. I just don't get it. And if they wanted him in center field, then he should have been playing his 60 at-bats in center field. Every day, if that's where they yeah. feel, feel like him, so so I don't think that's their plan. Yeah, no. Yeah, wait, I wish I could hundred percent agree with it, but I have a feeling we'll see him at center field, and Grandison's going to sit from time to time. I think we, I, I think and we will too, but I don't think that's I don't think that's a I don't think that's a good mix for the club or himself to be successful because I do believe there's a linkage between being comfortable in the field. And being comfortable and at the plate, I, I do I do believe you know you know some of the great players or a lot of the great players, you know they accepted DH roles later in their careers, but they always you know you know sparingly got to play in the field too. There's very rarely great players that just were DH, except I guess Edgar Martinez. But I mean because the the rhythm of the game is the rhythm of the game. It's very difficult to just get up, grab a bat, and go. And, and I think the mental aspect of being comfortable in the field and, and having a mentally, you know, tough time, a tough time focusing because you're playing out of position and maybe not being successful um, mm-hmm. can definitively, to me, take a toll on, on, on your at-bats. Look, and this is from a, a way former player. Um, I'm, I'm a bit older than Mojo. I mean, when I did well in the field, I went up to bat and I was very excited to hit. You know, because I, 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 the fielding gave me the confidence of vice versa. If I did well hitting, mm-hmm. I went in the field and I felt I could stop anything because my confidence level just went, you know, through the roof. Well, yeah, so you know, how, what's how, how often do you see a player make a great play in the field and then get up and get a big hit? It happens a lot, you know. It does it's happen a, a lot. It's definitely, it's definitely a confidence thing, and I can speak from experience. I mean, it really has an impact. And, and it has a, a symbiotic relationship. It really does. So, well, you know, if you see struggling, that, this I is going to be why, right? I would have liked them not to sign sign Grandison, like we said in the last year, and have Conforto play center field. Um, or 
um, cut bait with Duda and have uh, um, Bruce play first base and have Conforto play right field, right or whatever. But I, I don't like how this season's uh, – you know, I, I told you this for the last couple of weeks. The defense makes me nervous. Offense wins games. Defense wins championships. And what I mean by that is with the offense the Mets have and uh, mixing the bag and putting whoever in center field and David Wright at third base, and third, you probably can win a lot of regular season games. When you go into the playoff scenario, all of that gets magnified. You cannot win without good defense. It's not. It's not going to happen. It just. It doesn't happen in baseball. It'll be exposed yeah, well, time and time again. Right. And well, here's the question for you: Granison at center field. Do you seriously think he's going to last the season? I. I, I don't. What is that? If he's our starting center field and plays a lot of games. Come the end of you know September October, he, he I don't think I'll have anything left in the tank. Did you yeah, but that's part, of my, that's part of my problem. That's part of my problem, Doctor Ray. They're putting a guy out there that has no business playing center field. Period. <laughs> and this isn't a team that's a 500 team. This is a team where we want to go to the promised land. I tell you, there's not many teams that won the World Series in the last X amount of years that is a 38 year old that's not a center fielder playing center field, and a guy on the corner. Who's, who basically needs a wheelchair and a walker to get from second to the, you know uh, first to second base? Typically, it doesn't happen. Typically, I agree, but I don't see Wright having much of an impact on the season. If he plays, maybe a couple of at bats, a couple of moments, but overall in the season, Ray is going to be out third base, and that, that's kind of how I'm visioning well, it. Well, let's go. Let's go to season over and under for David Wright. So, how many games? How many games are we talking for Wright this year? What do you think, Padman? That, that he's going to start, not not pitch yeah. it, not not putting defensive replacement or whatever. Going to start? I go twenty five. Yeah. Listen, if he's on the team, he gets activated. He's going to start. He's not. Sitting, they're not going to. They're not going to. He's not riding the bench. Unfortunately, he could be the worst hitter on the team. They're still going to play him. That's just how it is. Because he's if making he can twenty walk, million right? a year, and he's David Wright. They're going to play him. So that's the question. The question is twenty-five. You know, twenty-five. 25? And, and you know the other thing, the other thing that yeah, okay, yeah. I'm gonna say twenty. I was gonna actually say less, but you know what? I think they're gonna yeah. wheel him out there, whether he's healthy or not. Matt still might only get him about twenty games. I yeah, I was gonna say twenty-two. Uh, just. I, I can't see him being healthy. The whole two hours to warm up can't take a lot of batting practice. I agree. If he can walk out there, they're going to play him. But him being capable of going more than two weeks at any point, I, I can't see that happening. Well, I have um, another. I have another. Couple, right? I, I have another question for you. Um, Reyes hasn't played a full season in quite a long time, right? Reyes also has the ability to get hurt. Kind of often. Who's the backup there? I mean, you got a lot of. I think it's going to be Flores. Flores. I think I think it's going to be Flores too. But I think you're going to also have a problem at first base. So you potentially could have a first base and third base injury situation, and I don't think that's very far fetched at all. Well, listen, listen. If things got really bad, sort of first, Dominic Smith comes up, and he's a good defensive guy. At least exactly. They they have that there waiting, and if he has to get called up early, he gets called up. Before they want him to. Third base is a little okay, tougher. Good point. Flores, 
And if he comes up, like Challenge just said, if he comes up and he, you know, even if he struggles offensively initially, he's got the glove. You know, the glove is there. Glove, nobody struggles. Great defensive players don't struggle defensively. Very rarely you see that. So he'll come up and he'll still be able to field. I agree with you. They, 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 they absolutely don't. A good defensive player is going to be a good defensive player. Even if they can't get there, even if they're struggling at the plate, they'll still play good defense most of the time. Absolutely. Okay, so I, I don't know. I, I, I just, once again, my, my whole point is I don't love the defensive scheme right now that they're putting out there. I really don't. You know, um, we might win a lot of games because we have great pitching, and, and, and I tell you, I don't think hitting is going to be an issue either. I think we're going to be fine. Um, but, but defensively, we're really, I think we're going to be consistent with – would you say this lineup is a home run hitting lineup overall? Right? So home run hitting teams go hot and go cold. So we're gonna see streaks where we score one run and we're kinda of puzzled by it. How come no one yeah. did a home run? That's just how home but runs I think, go. I Alan, I gotta say though, I think the difference between this year and last year is we have Ray start in the season who can generate runs differently for us. If your yeah, question yeah. is this if your question is this, um, are we a better team now than we were last year offensively? Yes. Are we yeah, a better pitching definitely. team now than last year? Yes. The only yeah. place where I think we're a little weaker is the bullpen. But overall, I think we're a better team offensive and defensively than last year and pitching, except for the bullpen. I think we're a better team. Yeah. But, but, but I also think the Nationals are a better team too, and I think Bryce Harper is not going to hit 230. Well, yeah. you know, I think he's going to you know, be able to – you know, he, he, he might mean a 10-game swing, a 10-game a – uh, 10 more wins for the Nationals than they had last year, and that means we, we but, might have a very no, tough but, time winning. Steve, you also got to factor in, you know, is Murphy going to have as good as the year as he had last year? You know, Murphy might take a step back, though, with Harper going forward, you know? And that's kind of what I'm envisioning over there, Harper, Harper having a better year, Murphy – Going backwards just a little bit. You know Maybe what, though? Yeah. If, if Murphy goes back a little bit and Harper has a Harper-like year sure. or bounce-back year, they're still a better team than they were last year. No, they're, they're still a better team than they were last year. I look at Washington right now, and I love that kid. They got Trey Turner, who I think is an impact young player. And here's a guy. Oh, yeah. I remember the I remember the draft. I'm watching it, and I was begging the Mets to take him. And I didn't know he was going to be this good. But I was, I remember watching the Mets took Conforto, which I was still happy because I liked Conforto. But the Mets took Conforto over him, and he got drafted by the Padres. And then the Padres for some reason, <clears throat> traded him to the, to the Nationals, which I still don't get that trade. And, you know, here the Padres who are struggling for talent, and they trade one of their most talented young players away. Makes no sense, but, you know. And, you know, I'm just reading some. Jose Reyes thinks the 2017 Mets have more talent than the 2016. Now, I don't know. That's tough. I think we yeah, have better well, pitching than just, we had. You know, I think we have better pitching, but I don't know about hitting. We had, I mean, we had, you know, Wright and Reyes were at their best then in 2006. So they're just about, I mean, they were young, up-and-coming stars. You had Beltran and Delgado. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're better pitching. I think we're better pitching. I think we're better pitching. And Familia is very – the same as Benitez. Not much difference. I think we have Billy Wagner then, but, you know. Oh, we had Wagner? Okay, whatever. Um, but another guy, not much difference. Uh, you know, uh, familiar style. I don't he's know. not as bad as Benitez, I, though. He's not as bad I, as Benitez. I, I no, tell you one thing, familiar is, 
just struggled in, in unfortunately, the toughest spots. But over the I, course I of the season, you, he set a record. I don't know if you guys listened to my beginning of my show when I was talking about it, and I was like, but who, who is always great in the postseason other than Mariano Rivera? A lot of people struggle in the postseason, right? I mean, right. I, who, who is, we, we who don't, is do lights we have a out in the postseason? Who is lights out in the postseason other than Mariano? Familia is going to help get us there. We don't really have a choice here. Look well, at, look at a guy like Dennis Eckersley, who's one of the best relievers ever. Right? He gave up the big home of Kirk Gibson in the World Series in 88. Look at, uh, you know, you just look around the league, guys that had great careers, but then, you know, Trevor Hoffman, he, he, the guy blew the five biggest games of his career. I mean, you know, so it, it's kind of hard. Billy Wagner, another guy that we had in 2006, he was great, and then he, he always struggled in a big game. You gave up the home run to Joe Carter. Wild thing, what was his name? Mitch, Mitch, oh, Mitch Williams, him? yeah. Mitch Williams. Done. He really couldn't yeah. pitch after that. He ruined them. So, look, oh, it about, all happened. What about Brad Lidge? What about Brad Lidge when Coho hit that monster homer in the playoffs all yeah. years ago? He was never the same either. I'll give you one thing about going back to 2016 versus this team. 2016 had badass defense. Badass yeah. defense. Well, the I mean, it was good. Won. The 2016 should have won the World Series. That, that, was a tough, that was a tough one to swallow because we would – Clearly the best mm. team that year. Obviously, we lost a great series to the Cardinals, and then the Cardinals ended up sweeping the Tigers in the World Series. So I, I think the Mets, that was, they, they should have been the Mets year, especially after the Andy Chavez catch. I don't, I don't even know how we lost that game after that. But yeah, right. That was incredible. <laughs> look, look, guys, I have to run. Have a great Saturday, okay? Dr. Thank a, you, man. Cool. Mojo, have All a great right, time. One more, one more thing. Adam who? Adam who? Oh man, Adam! Adam's gonna have to respond to this now. Where oh, he's, he's like he's like he's like Waldo. Where is he? <laughs> Bye guys. Bye. Have a good right, one. What's going on, Alan? Yes. That's a little fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna text Adam and tease him. <laughs> so did you did, yeah, did you so see the comment Granderson made? No. It said teams taking off season very seriously. They have one goal, and it says unfinished business match. So you know it, that kind of comment from Granderson it goes to why they kept him. And I kind of agree we're probably keeping him one year too long. But there's something to the locker room. There's something we're an intangible we're not seeing. You know, a focus the on guy, winning you know, the, ball. the blue guy. You can't really right. I'm wondering if that's his role, say, right? and, and and that's why we're keeping him. And and then asking him to play center field last year, we know that's above his head. And he, he made some plays. He made some catches. Now, catches that a real center fielder might have just ran to, turned around, and caught. He had to run and catch over his head, and, you know, and that's the difference. Sometimes you see a spectacular catch, and it's because the guy wasn't quite fast enough to get to the ball. I I, I think that's where he is at center field. It's good. That's tough if he's our everyday center fielder. Asking him to do it for three weeks, you know, at the end of the season last year as opposed to starting center fielder. Yeah, like you said, it's, it's nice to get, you know, when you get a small a small sample, you can step in and do it. But when you do it over a full season is when you get exposed, like you're saying. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, and that's, so if you look at what he's done offensively the last two years in the first half, 
you know, 200 batting average, not a lot of RBIs, popped some home runs, you know, struggled offensively. Now he's going to have that compounded with trying to play center field for for who knows how long. I, I could see him end up getting benched. Like, this could be the undoing of him unless he steps up and gets the job done. You know, are they, and it really comes down to are they asking too much out of Granderson at this point in his career? He's a gamer. He's, yeah. You know, it's his spot in the outfield. You're not going to say, no, the guy wants to play baseball. You know, he's had a great career, and he's a great baseball player. He wants to play, and he, he does seem to get timely home runs and game-winning hits and, you know, kind of has a knack for heroics. I'll, I'll give him that much. But he also puts the team in a position where we're chasing instead of sitting in first place. Yeah. And that's no, something he does in the first half. So uh, will he? the more question would be, will he end up being benched midway through this season if he doesn't step up? And if he doesn't, I'd be just asking too much out of him at this point in his career. Yeah. No, you know he's going to You know he shows up in shape. And you know he yeah. has a leadership role. All those factors, you give him a shot, but it's just my concern, is it too much? Are you asking too much? If he fails, is, is it because we asked too much of him? You know, if he was playing right field, he would have been okay again. Yeah, that, but, like I said, yeah, I, think the, I, think the, I think the dynamic of his locker room presence is with Mets mm-hmm. there. Because the Mets were clearly getting more trade interest in him than Bruce, but they didn't want to trade him. They wanted to trade Bruce but they weren't getting right. what they felt was fair value for Bruce. And, you know, Bruce is still a big power threat. You can't just dump him for nothing. I mean, it's, it's a senseless move, you know, to dump him for nothing. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, he, he, he could still help did he, really, did he really seem to fit in with the club last year? He struggled a ton, big, you know, over streaks, and then he showed a glimpse of what a, what a J. Bruce hot streak down can do stretch. for a team. Yeah, down the stretch, he got hot. Down the stretch, you know, when Cespedes kind of wasn't playing. Um, we didn't have much of the two of them in the lineup together, and what what the team might do if, if, when the two of them are hot at the same time. If they both play, that's going to happen at some point. That's two guys that can flat out carry a team. But I understand Padman's thought of the outfield defense is scary, you know, right now. Yeah, Bruce, but, is Bruce you know, a great right fielder? He's okay to me. He no. didn't look stellar by any I, means. He's supposedly, you know, by the metrics, he's below average. Outfield. Yeah, I didn't see anything special there defensively. I just seen like yeah. okay. I mean, he didn't look horrible either to me. He didn't look like he right. he didn't know what he was doing either. I mean, to me, he's and probably just an adequate we, outfielder. And Cespedes, we know what we got. He, he, in spring, he made a spectacular catch off the wall. He's made a spectacular throw, hitting heroics galore, and he's going to boot one once in a while. Yeah. You've seen enough but of them. But you, live, you can live with that. We can live with, we can live with the occasional boot in the outfield, you know, because he brings so much to the table for this team. And he's so motivated yeah. right now. You got to, you know, it, it's really refreshing to see a guy get paid and he comes in even more hungrier the next year after he gets paid. You very rarely see that. I mean, this guy, right. he wants to win. He wants to win a World Series. I mean, this guy is motivated. And, you know, it's a great sign for the Mets. Because the Mets usually sign guys. And then they got to worry if the guy's going to live up to the contract, the guy starts dogging it. This guy's coming to camp ready to play. I mean, you know, so that's got to be very happy. They come in 10 pounds overweight. That's typical, right? Yeah. After a fat contract, they come in fatter. And he didn't do that at all. I think he does want 
exactly what you said. He wants the World Series. He wants to get into the postseason again. He's had a taste of it coming up short two years. You know, and, and what did we say for Collins? My knock on him is he's a, he was a veteran coach, never made the postseason in his whole career, and it almost seemed like that's where the Mets were going until they got to the World Series, and then they get a wild card. For two years in a row, Collins has had postseason experience, something he never had his whole career. And I thought he was a deer in headlights in the World Series run, just happy to be there, not really trying to – or believing yeah. they would win it. That, that was how I kind of viewed him. The next year, he didn't quite have that attitude. Like, does he ever take this step? I always say you fire the manager when the team got a ton of talent and they're underachieving. If the team doesn't quite have the talent, you keep the manager if they're good at developing players. So it's like the Mets and Terry Collins, they got to decide that. This is, you know, the third year. Do we make the postseason again? You know, and how does he manage in the postseason? <clears throat> is he keeping his team together or is – he holding him back that will nobody end of this year. And we can't say he never brought a team to the postseason before. To me, it was you hiring a guy that never did that and you hang the possibility that they're the reason the teams they've coached never got there. Yeah. No, listen, and it's, you know, it's an interesting thing because I, I personally think, I think especially if they, if they happen to win, I think Terry's going to retire. I, I really do. There's a good chance he's going to retire regardless. Right. You know? but that wouldn't shock me. Go out on a win, or regardless, you know, he's not the youngest coach, or, you know, around. And I'm sure it's a lot of work. You coach. Imagine coaching on a major league level, all that oh, traveling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at his yeah. age, and the media day. every day and all that. He's finishing at the top of his game. He's coached his whole career. He got to a World Series, got to a postseason. If it steps backwards this year and they don't make it, I would say it's time to part ways. You know, barring the whole team had injuries. You know, and every yeah. pitcher goes down. You know, there, there's sometimes it's out of the manager's hands. But um, unlikely, I hope, knock on wood. Listen, we've been very critical of Terry on this show, you know, and uh, – yeah. You know, and we 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 gave him props when he deserves it, you know, as well. So, right. you know, it's just to me the question with him is, oh, to, to me the biggest worry with him, obviously I don't like juggling the lineup every day. I'm not, I, I, to me, I always like the set lineup. But I, obviously our biggest issue I think is his handling of the bullpen, how he handles his bullpen all the time. I think that's been right. the biggest criticism of him over the last couple of years, right? It's been tough. Would you even say what's familiar after two hit, like two batters, you can kind of see when he doesn't have it. And it's rare when he didn't have it last year. You see on the the number of saves he had. But in the games he didn't have it, you can can see it almost. You know, and you want to leave him out there during the season, see if he can bounce back, blah, blah. After you've done that and you get to the postseason, when you see he doesn't have it, we didn't pull the trigger on him. And you say you go at your best, but when your best clearly is not as bad, at his best, that's a tough call for a manager. You know, who's left in the bullpen? Yeah. What do you do? Well, some teams you know, are so it, programmed. Teams are so programmed to just just leave their closer in that you know you leave him in even if he's not pitching good, right? It's just a, it's like everybody's right. programmed to leave their pitcher in, no matter what the situation. Right. So teams you know, are just scared to like the quarterback. After two innings, you knew if Cologne was going to have a good day or not. 
it was just blaringly yeah. obvious what he had on the mound that day. You know, familiar. I wonder how they feel about made. letting Cologne go now. I wonder if they they regretting it. But the rumor I, I, read, I would think they didn't that, do that what, happily. Well, I I was you know, reading that you know Cologne. I was actually read an interview with Cologne the other day. Cologne actually said the Mets money was close enough where he would have went to the Mets. He said he really thought all along he was going back to the Mets. The reason he picked right. the Braves was because the Braves guaranteed him a rotation spot and the Mets wouldn't. That's the reason he didn't right. say. He wants to be a starter. So that's that's the main reason he left. We were under the assumption, you know, it was money, you know, but it actually it wasn't. Right. It was the start, you know, the chance to start in a rotation. And he's actually pitching the second game against the Mets on Wednesday against the Grom. Right. So I'm sure the fans will be into that game, I'm sure. They will be. You know, he won Met fans over. He'll probably win Brave fans and over. And the teammates. The team loved them, too. Yeah, send it on. I don't think they'll be with Atlanta long enough to win their fans over. I think Atlanta's – I think when, if Atlanta's out of it at the All-Star break, I think Cologne will be one of the guys they move. And you know, probably he's, only on a one, he's only on a one-year deal, so they'll probably, they would probably trade him. <clears throat> now, that's assuming they're not in a wild card race. They could be in a wild card race, and then it don't matter. But right. I'm just saying, assuming they're not in a wild card race, then then they would probably no. move. You got to look too. Why did the Mets get so much out of Cologne the last two years? He's a veteran pitcher. He's been around a long time. He's, you can see he loves the game, but he was on a team with a shot to win a World Series at the end of his career. Sometimes that's your most motivated veteran. You know, they're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and they want to go out with, you know, winning. So we had a very motivated Cologne to try to pitch in a World Series, to have a big game and have fun with it. Put them on Atlanta if they don't make the postseason or they're out of it early by some chance. Not in a wild card race. I would not expect to get the best out of Cologne. You know, I think that's a sigh on his. And the Mets and the Braves have good – good PR with each other, right? Because the Mets and the Braves, you know, they two years in a row, Kelly Johnson got traded back to the Mets. So the Mets and the Braves are not afraid to trade with each other either. You're not late in the season. <laughs> yeah. So right. that's definitely something to keep an eye on, especially now this is also assuming that the Mets get a lot of injuries and their rotation is banged up, right? If the Mets rotation tells right. the Mets ain't going to be looking for a pitcher. No, but you would look and say good chance Mats is going to have issues. Good chance yeah, real is going to have issues. You know, then they're going to be looking for a pitcher. Then they're going to be looking for one, right? And then we have also whole body right. stays healthy, right? And Harvey could potentially be a question mark. I hate even saying that, but it's it's the yeah. reality of it. How long is he I'll tell you, last? we've encouraged him, seen him seven the last few spots, so pretty right. encouraging. What's even more encouraging to me is that he didn't do it right away. I didn't want to see him push it like last year. Just show you can do it towards the end and then kick in when the season starts. No need to throw 95-plus for every spring game. It just isn't. Last year in his mind, I I think he thought he had to. And this year, maybe he could have and realized he didn't have to save something for the season. You know, my guess is that's the case. At least that's what I'm hoping. Well, I think when he came – I think when he came back from uh, last year in spring training, he was still mad about the World Series. Yeah. That was tough. You know, with the, our top pitcher, him, you know, that was very tough. And familiar the last two years, you know, blowing games. And that that's mentally tough on pitchers. It just has to be. 
it's the biggest situation. You've pitched in, Familia blew it twice. Um, I, if I remember correctly, one of the games, though, he could have been out of it, and they didn't get out of it, and falls apart afterwards. But uh, Harvey, too, he's just come out and don't have it. Came out for that last inning after a spectacular game. And that became and a manager's choice. I was coming out for that last inning. I was. I, I got to say, I wasn't mad. Everybody was. If I, remember watching, I'm like, be- I remember watching it saying they better not take him out. I, you know, so. yeah. And he wanted it. I actually re- I was listening to an interview with him where he said he got too charged up in the bullpen, like in the dugout between innings. Like he revved sure. himself so much that when he came out, he started overthrowing and everything. And he, and he chewed like yeah. a whole thing of tobacco and all this oh. stuff. And it kind of got to his head, you know, like a little, like it kind of got mm-hmm. to him mentally a little, as, you know, he started just, you know, throwing, overthrowing. I thought after the first couple of, you know, base runners, they should have took him out. That's when I thought they should have took him out. Yeah, but, you, you know, know, what's easy to forget with Syndergaard, Harvey, um, DeGrom, and, and more so, especially with uh, Syndergaard and Harvey, they're not 10-year veterans. They're not Cologne. They're not, do, do you know what I'm saying? It's a learning experience for Harvey. He hasn't been on other teams, hasn't been in postseason. This is all new, you know, getting there. So what he needed to do for that ninth inning, he now knows what he did wasn't the right thing. And coming coming around again, I would expect him to do better. You hope they take that step and pitch in postseason with confidence. You know, for familiar two years in a row, a little tough. If, if yeah. you start to see it again with familiar at the end of this year, I would be hard-pressed not to pull the trigger on him. No, he would be like, developing a history. I didn't like how the Mets handled it last year either. I mean, that in that mm-hmm. game, because I didn't like how how they were actually going to take him out of the game. And I think that was another big factor. I think he was so geared up that when they went to him and said, all right, now we're, we're taking you out. Mm-hmm. You know? I think, you know, you kind of mentally took him off his game for that second there, personally. Well, you know, you know, for the Harvey start in the inning, absolutely right thing to do. But as a manager, you're watching it closely. That's what you should be doing as a manager. You know you're pushing him. You know he could run out of gas on any pitch. And, and there would be nothing better for him to close out that inning you know, for the Mets and the organization and go into the next games with Syndergaard. But you do have to watch it closely so he doesn't blow it. We left him, I don't know. That's, that was just, we did the right thing and it didn't work out. That's kind of how I saw it. Yeah. It's going to happen sometimes. Because if you don't start so, on that inning and we blow it, you never hear the end of it. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's what gets me when you have these fans call up and, and say they should have took him out, they screwed up. There's not one person that wanted him out of that game. I don't want to hear it, you know. No. It's Please. more after who the start who... the inning, how long do you go? Exactly. exactly. You know what I'm saying? That, that, and that was more on the manager. Are you leaving him in one that batter, you know, one hit or too many? That, that's what that came down to. But starting the inning, every... absolutely. Yeah. And Terry's like he should have went with his gut, and his gut told him to take him out. But you know what? At, you know, listen. How can you? The guy is throwing the game of his life in the right. biggest game. Like, why would you take him out? You know. Yeah, there's no reason to. He didn't so show down his to one. It was a big game. 
you know, when they still win that game, if, if, if Wright makes a strong throw or Duda makes an accurate throw, they still win that game. I mean, despite him only giving up a couple of hits in the night, they still should have won the game. Right. You know, Wright, Wright, you know, we always criticize, and listen, Duda deserves it for that throw. But, you know, what's always overlooked here is that Wright cut off, cut off the shortstop on that play, right, that he should have right. never did. Because, you know, if he lets that ball go, the guy don't even try to score. You know, knowing that Wright's arm is weak and that Duda's not a good thrower, you know, Hosmer took advantage of it. And Hosmer said it. He goes, mostly anybody else, we wouldn't have tried, I wouldn't have tried that. But I, we, had, we had the scouting report on Duda, and then we went with it. And, you know, he basically said we knew Duda can't throw, and that's why we did it. You know? Right. You know, and to throw to, to home plate's not something you see a first baseman doing often unless you give yeah. up a lot of runs, you know, on infield hits. So it, it being a weakness, it's not going to be blaringly obvious to anybody. It's something that someone who's keeping stats and says, hey, this has happened X amount of times and dude didn't make good throws. So that, that's hats off for the team for knowing that, you know, paying attention to the scouting report and going with it. I wasn't fully aware of that because it's not a play you see every inning. If you're seeing your first no. baseman throwing the home plate every inning, you got a problem. I agree. I, I think it's a, you know, you know that's a routine ball. There's no way a guy should score from third on that. It was a routine play. There was just no way right. in my mind. So, you know. Obviously, it was a tough break, and, you know, they ended up losing, and then all the second-guessing starts after it, obviously. After the bad throw, then everybody starts second-guessing. But, you know, it's a tough situation. It really was. And, uh, you know, all we could do now is hope they learn lessons from this. And, uh, you know, you know, I, I would think if they're in this situation next time, Terry's pulling the, 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 the pitcher no matter who it is, you know, at that point. Right, you would let him start an inning, and then if the first guy gets a hit, you take him out. And that was my thing. I thought they should have took him out quickly. They they let him give up two hits, and then the RBI. So they let him. They left him in. They gave up three base runnings before they took him out, which right. wasn't smart. That wasn't a smart move. That was, you know, that's that's where yeah, that's put a lot of pressure on the next pitcher. Yeah, and you know, you him an familiar that pass. year. Stan is familiar that year. He got put into some really tough situations that World Series. He was coming in with second and third, no out, first and third, one out. Like, almost impossible, bases loaded, almost impossible to get at him. You know what I mean? Like, so when they had, oh, yeah, he blew two saves. Honestly, the home run he gave up to Gordon in the game one, that was on him. The game one, that was all on him. But every other one really wasn't his fault. I thought he was kind of brought in in situations that he had no chance. Hmm. Well, you look at familiar, and, and, you know, we all know the difference between the, the setup guy and the closer is not always necessarily pitching talent, but mentality. The mentality a closer has to have, that you blow a game, you come in the next day, and it's forgotten. It's not on your mind. They, they need that. Every pitcher needs it, but a closer, it's almost a little more important. Like, you can't lose that edge as a closer, that you you got men on base. You're coming in in weird situations. Game on the line, men on base. Got to get the team out of it. And other pitches, not necessarily. There's another inning to go. The team could still score. You're coming in the ninth inning, it's a different mentality. And we, we saw 
familiar blow it, but pitched the next season and set a record in saves. He didn't lose the edge. Same thing happened, you know, in the wild card game. We'll see what he does this year. I'm going to say he's not going to lose the edge. I think he has it mentally. But we have to watch him closely at the end of next at the end of the season. When are you asking too much of him? Does he take the step and get us out of it, you know? Shut a game down, one, two, three. We're not to the point where I would call him a Benitez. Not, not yet. No, no, no. Listen, it's not yeah, – That's rough. <laughs> There's not many – To me, Benitez was lights out in July, August, come September, start showing. He wasn't a cold-weather pitcher. Yeah, I thought that was no. the, the real issue with Benitez. He just couldn't pitch in a cold. Familia has started off well. So he can pitch in April and May when it's not 90 degrees outside or in, in the 80s. It's not just the cold weather. Maybe don't overuse him. Don't pay, I, don't, I don't know if he's not Mariano. I don't know how many games in a row you can put him out there and, and make him pitch two innings or, you know, more than one inning. Don't expect any closer in baseball to do what Mariano did. And you mentioned his name, and it's just a reality. That was an exceptional closer. Not just on yeah. the Yankees in baseball. So if you're if, if the Yankees are ever expecting somebody like that again, and the Mets are expecting that, just don't. If it happens, it happens. But that kind of expectation on a pitcher, you're setting them up to fail. Too much. Yeah, yeah. it's too much. It's unfair, right? It's, I mean, it's really unfair. Yeah, that guy had the best career he could. You know, all the opportunity, all the postseason, and and just got it done. You know, yeah, he's the best so ever not... for a reason. Exactly. An undisputed, no cheating, when you use the phrase best ever. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> that, no that cheating accusations. <laughs> had to go there. Had to take, had to take the, the shot at, at Brady and the Patriots. That's right. Not a Yankee fan, but I would say he's the best ever, undisputed. There's, there's nothing to question there. Cloud hanging over anything. And if you're a Yankee fan, you'll say it. If you're not a Yankee fan, you really still have to say it. You just look at the numbers. The shot at Brady. Very similar with a little tiny cloud. Yeah. Like, if you look in the league now, who would you – would you do? You, who, what closer do you feel the most comfortable with in a big spot? I mean, there's not many. No. Yeah, I think Chapman, maybe Chapman, Jansen, and Kimbrell, right? I mean, right. I mean, Chapman well, he had a tough push a lot of metal year. Last year in the postseason. You know, when he was in, I mean, they, they basically ran his arm to the ground, the Cubs, last year. They knew they weren't re-signing him, so they, they ran him to the ground in the playoffs last year, you know? Oh yeah, you could see that. I don't think they cared if his arm fell off. I mean, he actually he actually complained about it after the season, even though they won. He complained about it. Right. That's why you knew he wasn't going back there because he, you know, mm-hmm. he was pissed at them. It's, it's, hey, got it done. You know, got it done once. You get it done a bunch of times, you're Mariano, right? Yeah. Well, you got to get it done all the time, pretty much. You know, yeah. with Mariano, blow like one or two postseason saves. Yeah, I think. That's it. And he pitched a lot of times two innings. Which, not for nothing, a lot of closers, you just can't even ask him to do that. You ask him to do that and they blow it. 
you should have known they were going to blow it. You, you know what you got, right? Yeah. You should know from during the season how many times you asked them to pitch more than three outs, if they got it done or not, if they were shaky or not. If, if they're not getting it done during the season, don't even bother asking in the postseason. You're going to get the same results. I agree. So, listen, we, we've got a pretty good closer, so... You know, let's just hope for, uh, you know, let's just hope for the best and hope he can come through in the big spots, you know. That's all we can hope. Yeah. And that our starters can get us through six, seven innings. Yeah. You know, for the time being. You know, until we get our other pitches back, then we get two guys back in the long relief bullpen. Because Elman and Lugo's back. But until then, you know, we got to jump from the starter to read and familiar. And you can't have read and familiar pitch every day either. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. I, you know, I, I'm kind of like more worried about, you know, the rest of the bullpen after him and, you know, mm-hmm. even Reed. I, you know, I, I think Reed will be okay, but, you know, after that, I'm, that's my biggest worry with this team. I, You know, I think – Top on the top, I think we're fine. I think it's when you start getting into the middle, like sixth, seventh inning is where we're going to have issues. And I hope not, yeah. if I'm wrong. And Al his name had a big spring Montero, so he's going to be in a rotation. So that's, that's, you know, maybe he's going to develop into a nice relief pitcher. Who knows, you know? That's possible, too. Right. Yeah, well, you, you need oh. that long relief pitcher because somebody's going to get knocked down in the second or third inning every now and then. It just happens. Exactly. Yep. So... Uh, it's the difference with baseball and other sports. It's so many games and so many starts, and you're not going to be 100% and have everything every time you step on the mound. That's just reality. Yeah. Need depth, you know. You know? the best of pitchers. Depth is, is huge. It, it's helping us, in, you know, on opening day, as we've seen the outfield and with the pitching rotation. Yeah, obviously now with like you're saying with the injuries to the outfield and the pitches, that's early already we have some depth issues, and it looked like we had a lot of depth, especially offensively and starting rotation. And now all of a sudden the guys get hurt. That's why you need depth. You always have to have depth, and that's why signing yeah. guys now. You know, just hypothetically, what happens if Addison Reed goes down? Then what? <laughs> that's why signing another reliever Robust. is so important for this team. Yeah, that's my point. Signing a, a, another reliever was so important, and it didn't get done for some for money. And it's all about money, and that's what drives me nuts more than anything. It has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with they don't have any room. It has all to do with they just don't want to spend any more money. It, it, it all everything's based around that. Just like they didn't sign mm-hmm. that lead as the cash because of money. Everything is with the Mets is always based around money. And to me, in New York City, that's a big problem. That should never be an issue in New York City. Ever. And no, it shouldn't. It's good, you know, they win. When they don't win, they're going to take in a certain amount of money. They're winning. You know they're taking in a lot of money. More stuff is sold. Especially, People show up to the games. Yeah. I mean, and especially their payroll is in the middle of the road with league right now. It ain't like they got one of the highest payrolls already, you know? Right. So, it, whatever. It is what it is. We got to just hope. Hope they stay healthy. And hope, I mean, listen, they got a chance to win it this year. They got a great team. And we just got to hope everybody stays healthy. I mean, really, that's where we're at right now, right? So Yeah, and hopefully we see postseason three years in a row. Can't complain about it. 
Yeah. Hopefully we win a division. I'd rather avoid a one-game playoff again, if possible. Yeah, that that wasn't good. That's that's not. We'll be going to run into it's probably rough. run into a bum Gardner again or a Kershaw. You know, I, I'd rather avoid that. Yeah. In one-game so. playoffs, you, you're in that spot. It is what it is, and you have to live with it. But not necessarily a better team, because in baseball you have to play more than one game to see who's the better team, because different pitchers, right? But second place means just that. You didn't earn it. You got to do the one-game playoff. Yep. Agreed. That's why it's so important during the season to not give away games. You know, like stupid games. Just give them away with bad. You know, just you can't give away games. You just can't. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be a tight race between the Mets and the Nationals. They're they're closely matched. I don't think either team's going to run away with it. That would be a little on the surprising size side. You know, and I kind of see the Braves coming in third. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, it's a long season. I have the same and, way. I have the Philly fourth and the Marlins fifth. That's how I have the NL East. I have the Mets, Nationals, Braves, Phillies, Marlins. And I have the Nationals getting a wild card. Unless a team has a surprising year. Yeah. Look at the spring training. Do you think there was anything surprising? Team, right. Was there anything surprising in the Mets' spring this year? Like, when Not I was really. kind of looking at everybody's stats, I was like, no, it was kind of what I expected. Nobody flopped and nobody stepped up. I guess the one thing you could look at and be happy about is that Giselleman had a really good spring, right? So I guess you could look at that right. and say, all right, he continued his momentum and his success from last year, right? You could look at it like right. that. Not shocking to me because he looked really good last year. Like we were saying, he came in in a, a wild card race and looked really good. Not easy to do. So it's like not surprising, but it's something you're damn happy about. Look at it that way. Because you just question, was that a fluke or not? Did he get lucky? No one knew who he was. No one seen him pitch. It's going to be different this year for him. Teams are going to see him more start to see tendencies and whatever. I agree. So, like I said, it's, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens, right? We'll have to, you know, hope for the best. I think I actually like Giselle and stuff. I remember, I remember, I remember saying that I thought. Uh, I remember saying I thought with his face. Uh, Wally Backman said that he he uh, really liked. Uh, that he, Giselman, he liked right, Giselman's yeah. stuff. He thought Giselman was the real deal. So I'll take so it. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But Alan, I'd like to thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. All right, you got it. And uh, you know, Enjoy maybe we'll continue show. this next week. You know. All right. All right. And, uh, thanks again. again. Thanks for coming on and talking Mets. And let's let's go Mets and have a great season. And next week. We'll be talking about the first week of the season next week, so that'll be fun. That's right. All right, let's go, Matt. All right, man. Let's go, Matt. Enjoy your weekend. You too. Bye. All right, bye. Hi, Alan from Oak Ridge. And uh, so we're going to open another great segment with him and Padman, the Met Roundtable. That was fun. Uh, Definitely talking some Mets. Going to hit the phone lines again. And then – 12.30, 12.30, we're going to be doing a WrestleMania preview, just a heads up for everybody. Hello, you're on the Mojo Sports Show. 
Hey, what's up, man? Um, what do, what do you think about the Final Four tonight? Final Four, I, I like. I'm thinking. Uh, you know, I think that's some good games tonight. I think. Uh, you know, Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga is gonna win tonight. And uh, the North, to me, the North Carolina Oregon game is gonna be a great game. I just think North Carolina is gonna win out. You know, interesting stat about this Final Four. Some like. Uh, Roy Williams has 550-something minutes experience in Final Four play, and the other three coaches combined got zero minutes in the Final Four. Yeah. That's pretty Freaking, crazy. Um, I need – well, my brother needs my, – my bracket was busted. My brother needs South Carolina to win and North Carolina. Oh, to win? And Yeah, if they win – he he's first place. Oh, he wins no matter what. Then he has North Carolina winning the championship. He has he has North Carolina. Yeah, exactly. And somebody oh, else okay. has Gonzaga. Somebody has Oregon. So these games are crucial. So it's eight hundred dollars for him. Now listen, it, this Gonzaga's at, Gonzaga's. Why well, you know your boss? That's nice. Gonzaga's in no man's land too. You know they've never been this far. So. You know, you don't know what's going to happen with their psyche. And South Carolina is on one of those miracle runs right now. And teams that are on these miracle runs, they tend to keep it going, you know. So yeah, they, they fade out every game. once in a while. They fade yeah. out, though. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, it's but not that, yeah, yeah, I mean. Some, some runs for them, you know. I mean, the women's team, too, is in the finals, right? So South Carolina is having some season this year. Uh, my, my, father, my father said, um. Uh, my father used to be a college basketball coach. Oh, okay. What I mean, yeah. Nah, it was uh, community college, Brockport. Oh, okay. Thanks, yeah, yeah. It's so great. We're still doing to be a coach in general. Um, great, you know? He said, I've never seen defense like I see on South Carolina. He said, I've never seen defense the way I see on South Carolina. And yeah. I was no. like, yeah. You know, they are they're playing so, good they are playing good defense. I mean that's been key to their run, I think. Yeah, I I mean we'll we'll see what happens. But you know, we'll we'll see if my brother makes the eight hundred, maybe he'll give me a hundred. <laughs> <Pretty good. laughs> there you go. You know, if I was but a I, need, fan, I would say Gonzaga, but you know, that's just because they're the one seed, you know. That, you know, anything could happen. Yeah, they got this. Oh, it's gonna Carolina. be a great game. I'm gonna be going. so I'm gonna be so hyped tonight, man. I it, it actually is crucial. Both games are crucial because somebody else has Oregon winning it all the way on the bracket that we did. And oh, okay. So if Oregon wins, it fucks it up. If Gonzaga wins, it fucks it up. If Gonzaga yeah. and Oregon win, it fucks it all up. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. No, it's funny you say that you know. because I'm, the, the challenge I have on here on on our on my show, the, the sports challenge, it's coming down to that too. So if South Carolina plays North Carolina, that's the only way one guy can win. The same way you know you're talking about your brother winning, right? And then I have mm-hmm. one where if Oregon plays Gonzaga, somebody else wins. And then if Gonzaga plays North Carolina, it's going to determine who wins, who who gets. So if North Carolina wins, one guy wins. If Gonzaga wins. But it's four guys alive technically to win the pool, the mojo. Yo, you know, you know who you sound like? Who? Bill Bill Burr. You ever heard of him? He's a comedian. Yeah, no, I've heard of him. I never, I never heard that yeah. though. The comparison though. 
<laughs> you need to, yeah, hey, bro. You need. I swear, you guys sound exactly alike. I gotta listen more. I gotta listen to more. I've heard of them. I gotta listen to them. Because nobody's ever said that, so I gotta listen to them now to see that. What's your name, anyway? Yeah. Uh, I'm Jesse. I'm from Long Island. From Long Island. Oh, good. Thanks for calling. I appreciate the call. Uh, well, what thanks up? for the Mets comments too, man. But, uh, I, I'm a Mets fan. But uh, I, I I was at the um I was at the game when uh Howman pitched one hitter. Oh, Aaron Howman years ago. I remember that game. Yeah. Yeah. That was a long time I was ago. There. I remember that. Aaron Howman. Yeah. I used yeah, to work for a lawyer. Didn't he lose it late? Almost, right? Almost doesn't count. Yeah, he had it. Yeah. Late. And I didn't even realize. I didn't even realize it. Like so. They got a hit, and everybody was like, oh, shit, he got a hit. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was, they were like, you didn't realize he was pitching a no-hitter? I was like, oh, shit. Sometimes it's best to not know, because then, right, then they get jinxed and stuff like that, right? You know, so sometimes it's best not so, to know. Then the guy but I was at that game, stuff. yeah. I, I used to go to Shea Stadium all the time, all the time. I used to go to Shea Stadiums. I used to go to Knicks game and stuff all the time. Yeah, and you're not far from Shea Stadium either. It's not, you know, you're not too far from there, right? No, I, well, I live in Long Island now, but I grew up in Queens, you know. Oh, okay. I was actually, I was born in Woodside, so I was right there, right by the stadium, you know. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I used to, yeah, I, I, like, so. I love Shea, too. I used to go to Shea a lot, too. You know, I'm glad City Field now has more of a Mets feeling. I remember the first year, it, it, you felt like you were in another team's park. It didn't even feel like a Mets. Stadium. I I hate City Field. I hate City Field. Yeah, it's just uh. something about the new stadium. They don't have to feel the old stadium, Pat. You know, it's just like the old stadium to me is just it has. Even though even though Shea was City Field's actually nicer inside, like the way everything's set up. But it it just don't still don't have the same feel as as like Shea Stadium, you know. Like I don't know, it's you know it's. Kind of, I remember the first year I went to a game when the Mets first moved into City Field, and I remember going. I remember sitting there and I'm with my wife, and I remember saying, "I'm like, I don't even feel like I'm in a Mets stadium right now." I'm like I feel yeah, like I'm yeah, in a- yeah. It's a weird feeling. It's a weird feeling. The whole momentum just changed going, up, you know, with the city and field. Especially that they had you know. like Brooklyn Dodgers stuff up. They didn't even have Mets stuff up. I'm like, whose stadium is this? The Dodgers or the Mets? You know. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I have a funny. Yeah, I have a funny story about Shea too. Like I remember going as a little kid, and me and my, me and my pops and my brother, my my cousin, we we're, we're like right there in the front, and. I was like nine years old at the time, but I hear somebody saying, "Yo, I'll give you ten bucks if you go take take the umpire's hat and stomp on it." And I oh, like man. at at first I was like, "Oh, he's crazy." Now looking back at it, he must have been blitz out of his mind, you know? Yeah, because <laughs> he's you like, would end up, "I'll throw him twenty." You would end up in jail. You would end up in jail. He was like, I'll throw in 20. I'll throw in 22. So they were like, all right, 60 bucks, 60 bucks. It's like you're going to have to throw in a lot more money than that. <laughs> in the 10th inning, I swear to God, he hops over the rail, 
takes the umpire's hat and stomps. <laughs> it was That's the funniest moment. It was the fun. And then we were looking for, as little kids, we're looking for it live on ESPN, you know? We're like, we're like yo, that got to come up. That got to come up. But then they got explained to me later that they actually, that's only the movies because that happens a lot more times. But the reason why ESPN doesn't air it is because they don't want to encourage that. You don't, yeah, you don't want to go there, you know. Just go enjoy the game. You see things that go on at the games now, it's like crazy. But the fans getting into it and, like, you can't even go to another team's ballpark anymore and wear your team's jersey, you know, like, without getting into something. And, oh, forget you know. about it, man. It's a fight. It, it used to be, like, harmless banter. Now, now you fucking lose an eye, <laughs> you know? God, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, I see some of the really on the news. Right, you see guys getting beat up in the parking lot or in the stand. Like these people are crazy. Like, first of all, you go in there, you're spending all this money to get thrown out of the stadium. It makes no sense, right? I, I mean, I mean, you know, and and then it comes down to go, too much alcohol drinking. That's all it comes down exactly. to. Exactly, you're right. No, you're right. Exactly. I mean, there's kids around. You know, like these people just go enjoy the game. Root for your team. If you want to root for the other team, go for it. You know, like if I see somebody at a Met game root for another team, you know, maybe you play, have some fun, you play with them, have some fun, you know, going back and forth. But that's it. It ends there. Like some people take it way too serious. Like, you know, you go to the games to have a good time, you know, not to get into a fight. Like I'm too old for that stuff now, you know, like, you know, you want to go to always too, I was I was always too old for that stuff. <laughs> yeah, like I didn't go to a game. Who wants to spend money to go get thrown out of a stadium for something? Yeah, no fight, you know. Yeah. You know, like I'm I'm a huge boxing fan. Do you watch boxing at all? Oh, I I love boxing. Yeah, I'm a huge boxing fan. You know, and um, who do you like? What fighters do you like? Uh, my favorite fighter right now is Triple G. Free. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Did you fa- see the fight last week? Yeah, yeah, I saw. Yeah, that was that was a close fight. That was a good fight. Close, close. You gave it to Jacobs, or yeah, I, to be honest with you, I thought Jacobs won that. I, I, I thought it was close. It could have went either way. Like I didn't think it was neither guy like won so clear. No, but I thought Jacobs did enough to win that fight. I, you know, I thought maybe he won seven rounds to five, something like that. Like you know, or even maybe yeah. a draw. I thought that you know, you could definitely see a rematch coming there though, without a doubt. Yeah, Triple G is my favorite right now. Um, Trinidad was my favorite of all time. Um, you remember Trinidad, yeah, I right? Was a big, I was always a big Holyfield fan. He was always my favorite growing up. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people Holyfield. choose Holyfield. A lot of people choose A lot of heart, you know, but a lot of heart. You know, he always gave you a great fight no matter what, you know. Was it because of Mike Tyson win or is it just because – you know, I always liked him. I liked him when he was younger, when he fought Dwight Muhammad Kwawi. I thought that was one of the best fights, you know, when he was still a cruiserweight. I thought that was a great fight. And then, obviously, he had the classic fights with Riddick Bowe, which were unbelievable. And then, you know, obviously, the Foreman fight. And the Foreman fight and the, you know, you had... Uh, Do you think Lennox Lewis is better than him? The Lennox, I don't think Lewis is better than him. I think when he fought Lewis... He was kind of at the end of his career when Lewis beat him, you know. And um, yeah. I, I think in their primes, he would have beat Lewis, in my opinion. 
That's just my opinion. I think he would have beat him in his prime. But, you know. Uh, I, maybe, maybe. My my favorite fight of all time is... I do like Lewis. I always like Lewis. Like, I think Lewis would have beat Bo. I remember the whole thing. Lewis never got to fight Riddick Bo. They always had that big rival rivalry. Mm-hmm. I thought Lewis would have beat Bo if they ever fought. And I think some people get short credited. Like, uh, I love De La Hoya. Well, listen, De La Hoya gave you... One thing about De La Hoya, win or loss, De La Hoya always gave you... Gave you he always fight. fought the best guys. He always fought the best guys. But I, I never you appreciated know? it in my time. I never appreciated that in my time. I was always a De La Hoya hater. I was like, oh, man, look how soft-spoken he too. is. And stuff. I rooted against De La Hoya all the time. But, but, then when, but then when you look back on his career, he has one of the best resumes out there, bar none, bar none. It, it, he was not scared to fight, you know. You remember? Um, you remember when he fought Ice Cortez? Yeah, oh, I was about to see that match. What and a now, fight that was. He, I thought Cortez got robbed that night. I thought Cortez should have won that he, fight. Cortez did get robbed. He got robbed, right? Like sitting down scoring, it, he got robbed. But De La Hoya won the war because if you look at the scorecards, that knockdown that he gave him in the twelfth, yeah. That, that was the, the deciding factor. Yeah, that was the deciding factor, you know? And if you look at the scorecards, like you're saying, right, that the last two rounds, De La Hoya won, he finished strong, and that's why he got the fight, right? Because he finished the fight strong in the championship round. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was one robbery. There was one, like, 118-110, which is retarded. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who what that guy was. Who was scoring that one? But, um... But his last two rounds on that fight, that's one of my – but I'll say this much. That's one of my favorite fights of all time. And, and De La Hoya is – he's – one thing he's known for is a good fight, you know? Um, I Corte, May, you know, you can even look back and say he beat Mayweather technically because there's a lot of arguments to that. The champion is supposed to win the fight. Um. Mayweather, I'm not saying Mayweather didn't win. He won, but it was like a seven to five round fight. Uh, you know, De La Hoya, Trinidad was my favorite fight of all time. I like Trinidad. Because I was a big Trinidad fan too. I loved watching Trinidad fight. And, and he beat Trinidad. Like we have to admit that. You know, I actually it, it think, was just yeah, the way the cards think, were shuffled. I actually think he won. Yeah, that was a close one. Hey, hey, you you said you want to talk about WrestleMania at twelve thirty, right? Yeah, I got a wrestling a guy from a, that does a wrestling show on this network, Mike Ferrara. He's gonna come on. We're gonna do a WrestleMania preview at twelve thirty. Hey, can can I tell you? I used to um, I lived in Tennessee for like six months. Like this is like fourteen years ago, and I used to go to the NWA TNA events. They were okay. the most fan friendly events ever. And um one of my favorite wrestlers that I think gets a bad rap is Jeff Jarrett. Oh yeah, Jeff Jarrett was a great wrestler and a great character. But he gets a bad rap. Nobody wants to give him credit. 
You you I ever read the, um you ever used to read the wrestling books? Oh, the old magazine. Yeah, what was that? No, time? no, no. You remember when they used to come out with the the books after McFoley did his? Oh Hogan yeah, yeah. Came yeah, out yeah. with one. Yeah, yeah, like the Rock. They you ever read? Yeah. Yeah, and China came out with one. And yeah, yeah. And I don't know if you ever heard this. But an interesting fact about Jeff Jarrett and and the China match, um, his contract expired the day before the pay per view. Have you ever heard this story? I think I heard parts of it, but you know, go ahead, go ahead, tell the story again. He he walks into Vince McMahon's office and he goes, "Hey, look, my contract expired." Yesterday, so I'm not dropping the title tonight. And Vince is like, uh, "What's it going to take?" He said, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars." And Vince wow. gave it to him. Wow! Oh, I didn't hear that part of it. Wow, that's crazy. That's ballsy, though. See, but for two hundred and fifty thousand, he 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 risked his whole relationship with Vince McMahon. But well, that's why he never like, came I, That's why he never came back. But you know, and I I respect Jared though, you know, for doing that because they want him hey, to lose listen, to remember, drop remember, the title. Remember what happened with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, right? When Bret Hart was leaving for WCW and he was supposed to drop the title, but he told McMahon he didn't want to drop it in his hometown of Canada that he'll drop it the next night on Monday Night Raw. But that's when Vince McMahon came out and rang the bell, and it's the Montreal Screwjob. Right off, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You ever saw? Um, you ever saw the movie Wrestling with Shadows? Yes, yes. Great movie. Great. And, and I like. Look, I like Brett as much as the next man, but he really was being. It's like you're going to Nitro. How can we let you leave? I I understand Vince's part of it too. You go on the nitro. How the hell can we leave? You, let you leave him with the title. You know. I agree. I I I think. Uh, I think yeah, like yeah. You're going to nitro. He wanted to drop. He wanted. What Bret Hart wanted to do. He wanted to come out the next night on Monday Night Raw, and and drop it to uh, and drop it for right. Michaels. But it was going to be in like you know back in you know back in the states you know, but uh yeah yeah yeah. I mean I I understand both sides. I understand both sides. I really do. You ever see what happened afterwards? You ever see what happened afterwards? You ever see the documentary and everything? Yeah, yeah. Wrestling with Shadows when he gave him the black and blue. Yeah, yeah. No, but did you see the other one? There was another one too. There was uh, there's a forgot the name of it though. And it actually so maybe Wrestling and Shadows, I think, showed it, too. When they were backstage and, like, you know, uh, what's it called? Bret Hart's wife was, like, yelling at Triple H. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You knew about it. She was, uh, you yeah, yeah, know, yeah. That was, you know, that was show, part right? of the documentary. Yeah, that was all part of it, yeah. Yeah, you and, and, uh, you know. and they were all, like, you were part of it. And, and Triple H was, like, I didn't know anything. I didn't know what was going on. You know, they were all, like, I didn't. And I really don't think any of them knew. I think Vince McMahon just acted spontaneous and did that. I really do. No, 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 no. Shawn Michaels came out later that he that um 
he became religious and he came out later and said that uh he actually knew about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. He he said he that knew was about that, it. He did. And then he obviously they went in the locker room and Red Hawk punched McMahon in the face and gave him a black eye. That's great, man. <laughs> Who would have well, loved to give you a boss? Did McMahon tell him to punch him in the face? Who would have loved to give a boss a black eye, man? I would love that. <laughs> and get and get away when, with it. <laughs> and get and, yeah, and get away. Well, he didn't really get away with it because well, he was leaving anyway. Yeah. Did you remember you right know, after, he, in the ring when he spit, when he spit on him right in the ring right outside the ring after the fight and spit right in his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He spit on him, and everybody's like speculating: Is that true? Is that true? Now, my favorite wrestler of all time is always going to be Hulk Hogan, though. I don't care what nobody says. Yeah, it's funny. That Hulkamania. Back then, Hulkamania was always huge, right? And then and then you look at it, and it's like so many people disliked them, too, through the years, right? Yeah, so yeah, you had a lot of Warrior fans, you know? Yeah. And Hulk Hogan made wrestling what it is today, you know? And without Hulk Hogan, who knows if wrestling would have been this big? You know, I remember McMahon saying he needed that signature guy to. Get, he had a vision, McMahon, and this was the vision, you know. But he needed that guy at the time. And you know, it's funny. The first time I was a kid, I was probably like seven, maybe eight, yeah. nine years old. Seven, I was actually at the rest. My uncle took me and my brother to wrestling at Madison Square Garden. It was the Iron Sheik was the champion, and he was supposed to fight Bob Backlund. And all of a sudden, they go, Bob Backlund's not here. And the Eye of the Tiger music came on, and Hulk Hogan came out, and he won the title. And that's where it all started. And it's amazing, looking back at that now, that I was actually there when it started WrestleMania. And, like, who would have ever knew how big, I mean, Hulkamania, who would have ever knew how big that would have been that night when I was there? He came out who, and he won who, the title. What it turned the, into. The, funny, the funniest wrestling story is The Rock. Yeah, you like you ever heard like he used to get treated bad in the back room. Yeah, people used to yeah, think that was he like, was a joke. Hey, you're only here because your father and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, look at what The Rock did. I've never seen somebody as comfortable on the mic as The Rock. Never. Like I agree. I agree. His his thing he is he's second to none. To make yeah, he has the ability to make stuff up on the fly that just is unbelievable, you know? It, it's almost like he's a comedian, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, it, he has it, athletic ability, you know? And it's like – and, and that's, why, that's why I was trying to tell my son uh, because my son – I took my son to Raw, and uh, – He's like John Cena. John Cena, come come through, John. Cena. I was like, ah oh, man, you don't know about the Rock, man. <laughs> when I was yeah. growing up, it was a whole different story, you know. He's like, he's like, why? What was the Rock like? I was like, I hated him, but he he just he does it naturally. Like I re- yeah, I remember going to a wrestling crowd room. on hanging on every word, you know. Yeah, it, I, look, I remember going to a wrestling ring with a die Rocky die sign, but that was part of the fun of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I had die yeah, Rocky die. Rocky die. I remember that all 
No, no, and I brought it back because I was a Triple H fan, you know. Took the game, yeah. Listen, back then, wrestling was awesome. You had Triple H, The Rock, Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels, I mean, The Undertaker, Kane. You had so many great stars back then. No, even WCW had Goldberg. Oh, Um, yeah. Listen, when WCW was competing with WWE, WCW was... When they had the NWO and the Four Horsemen, like you, and you know, they were unbelievable. The, the NWO Dynasty. is such a look. It's such a simple idea, but it was genius. I'll say that much. It was. And they had the it right was guys. such a simple. They had the right guys to do it. They had the they had the perfect exactly. Turn Hulk Hogan bad. Who yes. who would have ever thought about it? No, like you know what I mean. It was a genius, like you said, it was a genius move. And then do you remember when he came back to WWE with the NWO? And then the fans loved him so much, they started booing The Rock. Remember when he started fighting They the started, Rock? oh, that's my favorite match of all time. That's that my crazy. favorite match of all. I'll never forget when they were on that Monday Night Raw and everybody's chanting Hogan and The Rock's looking around at the fans. Like, and The Rock was... He's like, turn, what the fuck? Turn his personality, <laughs> man, just like that. He turns with the fans. He like, was he like, what? perfect. He, he was like, what the fuck is going on right with. now? He was like, what the fuck? Yeah, I think probably I, in the back, like, Vince McMahon and them were in the back probably like, oh, man, what's going on here? We didn't expect him. You know, Hulk Hogan. I, I truly think guy. he was baffled. I think Rock was truly baffled by that. I really do. I think I think the Rock was truly baffled, like, when, when – um, when they started chanting Hogan, 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 <laughs> he was like, but you know, to give him credit, yeah, he, he was looking around. He was just looking around like he didn't know what to say to do to Rock. He was like, "What's going on here? I'm supposed to be." The but he played guy it here. all perfectly. Yeah, like he was able to switch gears and become the bad guy just like that, which was great. But like you were saying before, not many guys have the ability to do that with the rock does in the ring with the microphone and stuff. There's not many people, you know, it's not nobody. To me, he's the best, like you said, he's the best ever on the microphone. He's the best ever on the mic. Uh, is he my favorite wrestler ever? No, because I like to root for the bad guy. I like Triple H. But he's the one that makes that makes you look go like, all right, I'll put it this way. Rock is the one that makes you say to a friend, oh, you don't like wrestling? Watch this guy. Yeah. And they'll get into wrestling. You know what I mean? Yeah, my son, you know, my oh, son's yeah. only going to be seven. So, you know, he watches when The Rock comes back now. He likes it. But I let him watch a lot of the old Rock clips, you know, to see, you know, how The Rock used to be. Because he's like, my son's obsessed with wrestling. So, like, he, you know, he, he got to see, you know, the old clips. Of the rock, so he enjoys those too. Because listen, there is no. I pull up like those old backstage interviews or in the ring interviews he would do. It, it was it was great, classic, classic. What was the what was the funniest segment of all time? I gotta be honest. The, to me, the funniest one of all time was many years ago. I was even very young. Was when Roddy Piper hit Jimmy Snooker with the coconut. To me, that was the best segment ever. No, when, when Booker T called Hulk Hogan nigger, that was 
That was yeah. That was that was that was a good one too. I forgot about that. You know that, which one I'm talking that. about? Yeah, I forgot about that said, until you just said that. He said, "Hulk Hogan, I'm coming for you, nigga." And then the look on his face is like, "Oh shit, I just got fired." <laughs> it was and a lot. Of, it was and a lot perfect. of the great and a lot of the great, you know, a lot of the great segments with Stone Cold and Vince McMahon were great through the years. Uh, they got a little cheesy. They got a little after a while. But the, the one with the, the truck, the beer truck, was great when they shot with the hose, the beer hose. That was funny. And uh, that was, yo, imagine if Owen Hart would have died on camera. Oh man! What, uh, one of my favorite wrestlers growing up, Owen Hart. What say? I remember watching that pay per view when it happened, and obviously they cut it off, and then they just started talking. They wouldn't show him in the ring. What a what what a terrible thing. And, and you know who fault that was, was, right? That was Vince Russo's fault. Yeah, the harness was loose, right? The harness wasn't fully on. But no, it was Vince Russo's fault because he talked them into doing the harness. The, the blue blazer, right? So, like, personally, yeah, they yeah. should have never changed his character. Owen Hart was fine just the way he was, and they should have never changed his character. You know, the, the Hawk family still has a lot of animosity towards the WWE over that. I mean, wouldn't you? Know, you? Yeah. You it know? took many years for Bret Hart to even forgive. And Bret Hart had many things. You know, obviously the screw job and all that. But, you know, his brother obviously dying is the top of the list, you know. But I'm, I'm saying, wouldn't you? You know? Yeah. Of course. The conversation part. the Hall of Fame yet, you know, Owen Hart. Because... His family is so upset right now. I think eventually he'll get be in the Hall of Fame that he deserves to be. Who who was your you know? favorite heart though? Mine was Jim the Anvil. And I, oh, I'm a weird I character. Tell me, I'm a weird character. The Hawk Foundation was my favorite tag team growing up. The Anvil and the Hitman back in the day when they beat the British Bulldogs for the title and all that. They were they were my favorite. Tag I team loved it, up bro. Foundation. No, you know, I had a, I, oh, I had a, I had a better, I had a better tag team. The demol, you remember the demolition man? Demolition, action smash, yeah. Another great tag team. Yeah, the killer bees back favorite. then. Remember the killer bees? I don't remember. I remember. You remember the bushwhackers? Bushwhackers, yeah. Killer bees were before. Killer bees were like. When the Hawk Foundation first came, the British Bulldogs first came, you know, that that was when uh, the Killer Bees were around back then. I was young. I was probably like 10, 11, 10 years old at that point, you know? Yeah. My favorite match of all time, though, for wrestling, Rock Hogan. Rock Hogan, yeah, classic. I'd say, I'd say Rock one of my favorites was... Uh, think back. Obviously, Andre the Giant Hulk Hogan was a classic in WrestleMania 3, but, you know, I like, uh, let me think, let me think for a second. I mean, there's a few. Obviously, the ladder match, uh, Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon. I was only three. I I was only, oh, that was a great one. That was one of the best matches ever. That was a great one. So, you know, honestly, WrestleMania, are you excited about tomorrow? I'm not. I gotta be honest. I'm not. You know, I know it's coming up. I'm not. Uh, I don't watch wrestling the, the same WWE way. Network? I'm about to because of my son. Okay. You know, I, 
I'm gonna buy him a subscription. But I, I, I don't know. Nine ninety nine a month, you get all the pay per views every month. It's worth it just for the pay per views, you know. Plus, you got all the old stuff you can go watch. I I'll tell you this much though. Um, I was a Miz fan before the Miz became the Miz. I have to find my B Miz hat. Uh, there was a time when he was on the Real World. I don't know if you remember. And he was selling like B Miz uniforms and stuff. And I bought a B Miz hat. There's actually a picture with me on with a B Miz hat before the Miz was the Miz. Did I lose you on that one? You hate the Miz? Hello? Hello, you hear me? You hear me? Oh, no, I can. Yeah, no, I can't. Yeah, no, the Miz, uh, Miz, uh, listen, he made some career for himself, right? He uh, became a a WWE superstar champion. I told you I I married Maurice. I mean, I was a Miz fan before the Miz became the Miz. From the real world days, you were saying, right? I I bought a, a B Miz hat. There's actually a picture of me wearing B Miz <laughs> before oh, Miz wow. was Miz. I swear to God, and I I I gotta wear that. I, I gotta find that cap again. <laughs> there's, but there's a picture of me wearing the B Miz hat before he was a Miz because he was my favorite character in the real world. That's crazy, right? And then now he turned into a big star, right? He ended up turning into a big WWE star, right? Well, it's amazing, bro. But hey, who's the biggest WWE star that you met that were that was an asshole? I I met a few, and I can't I can't really say one was an asshole. I really can't because um. I, remember I, I don't remember. Go, I, I don't remember having any bad experience with any wrestlers that I met. Yeah, and I got uh, when we bring, when I bring my when I bring my wrestling guy on, I'm gonna ask him because he's met a lot of wrestlers in his time. I want to ask him what he thinks of uh, what he thinks of uh, you know, did he meet any guys that were you know, that were jerks or whatever? They weren't nice to kids or whatever. Um, that's you know. That's that's yeah. I, I've never really had any issue with you know when I met any wrestler. I did. I do hear that certain wrestlers, Brock Lesnar is always in character. Like I heard a story of some kids seen him in an airport and they try to get an autograph and he went nuts on them. Like literally, like like he's in character all the time. No matter where you see him, he's in character. So you I, know, I, me, I me, met I met uh I met Triple H. He was cool. I met DDP, okay. but this was a book signing. Me, I I guess the only one I could say is really Nassau is Booker T. Yeah, Booker T. And yeah, I, you know, I, you're not the first person that said that. Because you I know? was like, oh, can I was like, can I? <laughs> but me and my friends were dumbasses. I was like, can I meet him? And he looked at me and he like just like gave me the like cold shoulder and stuff. He didn't even give me a handshake. And yeah. then I was like, can I? I was like, can I get his autograph? Security guard was like, no. I said, can I get your autograph? <laughs> you know, he said, no. I'm a smart ass, you know. 
So my wrestling guy who's on hold says he knows you. I'm going to bring him onto the call with us right now, okay? He says he knows you. He's listening. He, he Mike, knows how you? how you doing? Yo, Jesse. Yeah, and how do you say how do you say you're a wrestling guy? My name is Magic Mike. You called my show, Jesse. Oh yes, 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 yes. Yes, <laughs> he says my wrestling guy. Well, I said Magic Mike here. before, but you're my wrestling guy. You are. You're my wrestling yeah, but guy. I'm sitting here though, thinking to myself, I know this guy. I know his voice. I'm thinking, and then I said, yeah. How are you, Jesse? Good, bro. How you doing? Yeah, you still talk the same shit, bro. I'm sitting here saying, wait a minute. He said the same thing on my show about The Rock Hogan and how I was his favorite. Well, yeah, I, I, I just feel, I just see my feelings, that's all. I know, bro. I know. I'm just Hey, Mike. Mike, that's one of Jesse's questions. Have you ever met any wrestlers that you thought were like kidding, like jerks? Yeah, I told him that already. We had these conversations. You know, I've worked with a lot of these wrestlers that were jerks. Um, Brutus the Barber Beefcake was a real jerk. Um, until until you know until we got to know him. Um, uh, right uh, until he became until he became broke. <laughs> no, I'm saying. Yeah. Look, I, I, how about, how about this anymore when they're broke? When they're broke. No, how about this one night? World, how about though. this? How about this one night? It was it was me and and uh, and my crew, and we went down to church. We went down to um. If we were in. Where were we? We were in Newark, and we went into this little, little, little place, and we're sitting, and we had, a, we didn't even have a locker room. We had a dark room. We were all in a dark room, and the guys next door had a had a locker room, and Brutus Beefcake came in, and he goes, "Oh, you got a bar in here? Now the place is pitch black." He goes, "Oh, you got a bar in here?" So so I said so so I turned around and said yeah we got a bar there of course there's nothing there but I said it sarcastically yeah we got a bar then then my boy Matt my best friend Magic walks in to, to see some of his friends and he brings me in there and he introduces me to them and um and we start talking with them and then my boy Sin goes and gets a picture with Big Cake. And I got a picture with the cake, and he was really cool. You know, like he was really cool, but he wasn't, he wasn't talkative or nothing. Like you know, we were talking to him, and he was like, you know, it was like really weird. And Magic and I have met him about three or four times before that. And every time we go to meet him, he knows Magic for years, but yet he pretends like he doesn't know him. Like he just looks at him and goes, like, who are you? Like. Yeah, I, I I hate when that happens. Uh, did you ever meet Did you ever meet Hulk Hogan? Uh, yeah, I have I have met Hogan. Uh, and by the way, I have met Booker T about five or six times. And I gotta tell you, Booker T is a nice guy. Um, Booker T. Oh uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm just telling you my experience with him. Yeah, no, I understand that. I'm just saying Booker T is a Booker T is a nice guy. Um. He's very misunderstood, uh, as a lot of wrestlers are at times. Um, Tony Atlas is a nice guy. Tony Atlas is a great, a, a great guy. Tony Atlas, I loved, I loved um, working with Tony Atlas, and uh, I, I, I loved uh, Tony. Uh, who else? Julio De Niro is a nice guy. I liked. Um, I love. Uh, I love Mike. I love Mike Tenay. Mike Tenay. Mike Tenay. I never met him. I heard Bobby Heenan is an asshole. Um, you know, 
I never got to meet Bobby, but our uh, but a couple of guys that I know that met Bobby, they said that Bobby Heenan was a really is a was a really uh, nice guy. Matter of fact, I had Ken Patera. Uh, me and Smith Smith Hart um, actually spoke with uh, with Ken. I'm with, with Ken Patera. So, he was talking so about who, Bobby. Who, who, so who's an asshole though? Who's an asshole in the sport? Well, I just said. I oh, let me see. An, an asshole would, would be. Let me see. Uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine can be. Uh, <laughs> Greg Greg being Greg the Hammer Valentine could be. Um, I'm trying to think who to. Um, oh, what the hell was that called? Ma- uh, Madison Rain was a real asshole with me. Um, she was talking to me like I was shit, and I was talking to her back, and I almost got thrown out of the. Uh, I I almost got thrown out of the school because we were in the school, and her and I got into a little bit. But she didn't know I was a worker, and I and, and so I stayed in character. So when the guy said to me they're going to throw me out, I told him go ahead. And then uh, when we went to the back, um, she said to me, uh, she said, you know, you're a piece of garbage. I said, thank you very much. Is the Miz an asshole or no? Uh, Mike, by the way, you were talking about Mike Misarian. Let me tell you about Mike Misarian, how funny that is. You were saying Mike was on the real world. I know Mike. I, I was in the locker room. I I, I, have a, I have a, I have I was a in the locker room with Mike. Oh, you know you know who's a real in you know who could be a real asshole? Robbie E. Robbie Echoes. He could be that. No, way. no, but 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 tell me about the Miz though. The Miz, the Miz. You know the Miz. The Miz is cool. Um, the Miz is cool. He's cocky though, right? He's but cocky. when he starts to talk about when he starts to talk about about like. You know the stuff that he's done and and this and that and and um, you know I, I I don't know I mean he was cool he signed autographs for people he was really nice the guy I like the guys that have no problem uh, like the zombie from ECW that guy Tim Arson may he rest in peace Tim Arson was a really great guy he he was unbelievable um, I try what, not to what, talk what about Sandman, oh, was Sandman cool. Sandman, uh, I've heard a lot of people. I I haven't met the Sandman, but I've heard a lot of people say that about talk about the Sandman and say that that if if you get a sober Sandman, he's cool. Um, new, new, I got a good New Jack story for you though. I got a good New Jack story for you. Sandman, you guys, oh you yeah, guys, oh please, you guys know who New Jack is, right? Yeah, I know of course. New Jack. Yeah. Okay. I went to I went to Just Incredibles Icons of Wrestling. It was in Connecticut, and like I said, my best friend Magic knows all these guys. And may he rest in peace, Bald Mahoney, who was a great guy himself. Bald Mahoney was there, so New Jack was there, so I was there. So now New Jack doesn't know me from a hole in the wall. So I woke up to New Jack and I said, you know, um, I, I said, hey, how you doing? I said, my friend knows you. He goes, who's your friend? So I said, Magic. So he goes, you know, I don't know nobody named Magic. He got all, like, you know, a little upset, like. He goes, and I don't like white people. He goes, I just want you to know that. I don't like you. I don't he, like you and I don't like white that? people. Yeah. So I turned around, right? And I was, like, ready to, like, cry because I, I've never had anybody talk like that. Yeah. Then the next minute you know, the next minute you know, he turns around and goes, yo, dude, come here. I was like, yeah, what's up? He's like, yo, come here. I want to talk to you. I was like, yeah, what's up? He's like, yo, I'm just messing with you, boy. 
I said, holy shit. I said, really? He goes, yo, I'm playing with you. He goes, I was playing with you. He goes, and Balls Mahoney, see, cause, and then he goes, and Balls Mahoney was laughing. He goes, didn't you hear Balls laughing? I said, no, I didn't. And then Balls Mahoney called me over. He goes, yo, bro. He goes, yo, he goes, he played you. He goes, he goes, I was looking at him the whole time, and he was just messing with you. He said, he had you. And then he said, yo, that's Magic's boy. And then he said, who is Magic? He's what I'm saying. And then he said, he said, and then he told them, you know, who, who knew Jack knew Magic as a different name. And then he knew who Magic was. But that whole day, and, and he even, I took a picture with him, and he was messing with me. He was touching my head. He was grabbing me. He was making jokes about me. It was like he was really, he was really joking. It, it, it's kind of like a fraternity. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, but but you know, all those uh, all those guys, all those guys are, are are like that. I'm trying to think who else. Um, let me see who else I had a bad. I mean, like a really bad. Oh, Kevin Bourne, we had a really bad experience with Kevin. Kevin, they were doing an autograph session in Staten Island, and mm-hmm. Magic and Magic says to me, we, they were doing it at the hotel in Staten Island. And it was expensive. They were having all these guys. So Magic says to me, listen, I have something to do after. I want you to do me a favor. Come with me, and then we'll go. And, and uh, so we're, we're, we're in the parking lot, and we go, and we see all these wrestlers. And Kevin Thorne, uh, well, Magic goes up to Kevin and says, hey, what's up? Kevin just says to him, oh, yo, I, I don't have time for you, bro. I, I, you know, I have to get out of here. So he's like, what the hell is he talking about? So someone said Kevin Thorne thought Magic was an, someone seeking for an autograph. You know, so Magic said, Magic, Magic said, Magic said, I can't, I never in all my life would get disrespected by him, he says. Now I know why he doesn't work for the WWE. So I was like, so, so for Magic to say that, because Magic's like me, we like everybody. He had a bad experience with him. Uh, John Cena's father was there that night, and we got to talk to John Cena's father, and he was really uh, John Cena's father was really cool. All right, so so as, let's let's uh, let's start a little preview here for WrestleMania. So let's just do some predictions, Jesse. You stay with us, do this with us if you want. So yeah, I'll try. Andre the Giant Battle Royal predictions, Mike. What do you think? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go with Braun Strowman. Me too. I'm gonna to go with Braun Strowman too. What do you think, Jesse? I'm gonna be the odd man out and choose against him. Who are you gonna pick? Look, I don't. I don't know a lot of the wrestlers, but is Undertaker fighting again, or no? No, he's yeah, not. In he, the, he's not in the Battle Royal. He's fighting Roman Reigns, but he's not in the Battle Royal. The Big uh, Show is in it. Sami Zayn and a bunch of you know a bunch of. Oh, I love the, the Big Show. The big Show, Big Show. I love the Big Show. Okay. I love the Big Show. What about the Cruiserweight, Neville versus Austin Aries? Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to have to say uh, Austin Aries. Yeah, I think he's going to win myself. Me too. What about the Women's SmackDown title? This is the last kickoff match in the kickoff show. The Women's Alexa Bliss versus all available women. Now, there's a lot of rumors that Kelly Kelly could be coming in this eve. I don't know if who, 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 who's show up. the Irish girl. Who's the Irish girl? Becky, oh, Becky Lynch. Lynch. Yeah, she's in it or yeah, no? 
Yeah. Yeah, Becky Lynch is in it. Uh, what do you call it? I have I'm, it right here I'm, in front of me. Who was in it? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm Naomi, I'm, Becky I'm sorry Lynch, Natalia. You know, Naomi, Becky Lynch, Natalia, Alexa Bliss. Uh, who am I missing here, Mike? Uh, let me see. Who else? Let me see. Naomi. Uh, Naomi. Let me see. Who else is available? Um, let me see. Uh, let me get it. Um, there is some rumors that there could be some surprises, but we're just going to go on what we know so far. Yeah, Carmella. So far, Nikki James. Uh, Carmella. Yeah. Uh, Natalia. Alexa, of course. Becky. Uh, um, Naomi. Uh, I I honestly think Naomi's going to take it because it, it's her hometown. It's Orlando, and she's going to win it. Great. And the way she lost it because she got hurt, I think they're going to give it back to her. All right, then we get to the regular card. Tag team, triple threat ladder match. Gallows and Anderson, Enzo and Cass, and, and Cesaro and Sheamus. I'm going to go with Enzo and Cass. I think they're going to become the champs for the first time. What do you mean the first time? They were tag team champs already. Not in WWE they were. Yeah, they were. In NXT. No, in NXT No, they WWE. Never, no, they weren't. What do they you never mean, won no, the they tag weren't. titles yet. They haven't. They never won the title. I could have sworn that they did. That. Wait a second. Let me look it up. I don't remember them winning the tag title. I think they did, but because then they lost it to, um, or maybe they did. I, I could have sworn they won. Yeah, right. I don't remember them winning it. I mean, all right. Well, we'll go back to it. But anyway, um, regardless, I think they're going to win it on in WrestleMania. What do you guys huh. think? Oh, I was going to change my prediction, but I could have sworn they, they won already. Um. Huh. I stumped. You stumped me on that one. Oh, uh, I'm gonna have to. What do you think, I'm Jesse? What are you thinking? What do you think? Yeah. Which one? I'm sorry, I missed it. The tag team triple threat ladder match championship match of Gallows and Anderson, Enzo and Big Cass, and Cesaro and Sheamus. Sheamus. I like Sheamus. Going with Sheamus. All right, Sheamus and Cesaro. Okay. What do you think, Mike? Hmm. Let me see. Hold on a second. Uh, I think. Oh, you're right. So they never won the title. So maybe because so they'll I'll give it to them and the only cast. I could have sworn they won the the title. That's crazy. Oh wait. Oh, they never won, so they never won. They later would come number one contenders for Raw at Fastlane by defeating Sheamus. Oh, but it says they never won. I could have sworn they won. Yeah, I think All it right, was so I'm going to go right with away, I'm going to go did. with uh, with uh, what Enzo and Cass. Uh, Intercontinental SmackDown Intercontinental Championship. Dean Ambrose. Yeah, that's Baron easy. I, I say Baron Corbin. Me too. I think we're going to have a new champion. I think Dean Ambrose is going to do a movie after WrestleMania. So. Yeah, I heard, I heard him and Renee Young might be doing a movie. <laughs> Along with the like Pages movie with, uh, what's his huh. face? Brad Maddox. Oh, man. I, I, I can't. Uh, boy, that, that was, uh, that was crazy. That was right but there. It, that was crazy. That but, was crazy. Uh, Hold on, before we continue, I just want to let everybody know who's listening. We're going to be going past 1 o'clock, so hang in there. We're going to go overtime because we've still got to get through some more matches. So just hang in there. I'm on with Mike 
Carrara from Pro Wrestling Now and Jesse from Long Island. We're talking wrestling. <laughs> so, uh, United States Championship, Chris Jericho, Kevin Owens. I guess uh, Owens, well, probably. I was going to say, that's what I was going with. I was going with Owens. I was going with Owens, but I think there's going to be some outside interference, I think, on that one. Samoa Joe? Maybe Samoa Joe? Could be, because, you know, I, I mean, we all know that there's a stable. We all know that there's a new stable brewing, I guess. Yeah, and I think <laughs> they're going to bring a couple stables. of guys from NXT, right? A couple of guys from yeah, NXT. Yeah, Triple H loves stables. Yeah, he does. He always did. Right, women, women's championship fatal four-way. You're going with Jericho, Jesse? Yeah, Jericho. Okay. We got Bailey versus Charlotte Flair versus Sasha Banks versus Nia Jax for the women's title. Hmm. Oh, uh, I, I I'm picked torn Nia. On this one. Pick Nia, okay. I'm torn between Bailey and Charlotte on this one. Are they going to let Bailey get her signature win here, or is Charlotte going to win another pay-per-view? You know, I'm going to go with Charlotte. I'm going to change. Yeah, I, I, I think Charlotte's ran, of course. I think. I think it's time for some new blood. I think hopefully that would that would go with Charlotte's Nia because Charlotte, Charlotte's a perfect bad guy, though. She's a person. She plays yeah, the character perfectly. She's just like her father. She's just like her father. You know, yeah. and uh, that in itself is 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 crazy to to think that. Um, and they're going to yeah. be touring. They have a new book coming out. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, uh, Jack? Um, who's the Irish girl? Oh, uh, that's on the other Becky. show. Becky yeah, she's Lynch. not in this fight. This is Bailey, Charlotte, Flair, <laughs> the Irish girl. Jack. Becky does I, I don't, I, I so don't know enough. Jesse doesn't. Hey, Jesse, I think Velvet McIntyre is going to be wrestling later, too. I don't or, know uh, Rock enough. And Robin. You I don't, know Rock and Robin? No, I don't know enough about them. That's what I'm saying. Or well, how about, uh, how about uh, who was the other one? How about I, I'll, tell you, I, I, I'll tell you this much. My favorite wrestler right now is Roman Reigns. Oh, there you go. All right. That's cool. I th- hey, there's nothing yep. wrong with that unless you live in Philadelphia. Then, you, then maybe they'll have a problem. But no. <laughs> John Cena and Nikki Bella versus The Miz and Marie. Oh, that's easy uh, for me. Here we go. That's that, easy for that's me. That's my topic. Go ahead, Jesse. You go first since you got, the, you got it now. Go ahead. I'm picking The Miz. Of course. The Miz. That's his boy. He's going to pick the Miz. That's his boy. Yeah, he has the Mizer- Mike Mazarian. Then I'm going to go with my boy then. Then I'm going to go with You Can't See Me. I'm going to go with John Cena and and uh, Nikki Bella against Maurice. I, I, picked them. I, I picked them. And also, remember what I said about a possible engagement. I, I'm still hearing about yeah, it. Yeah, afterwards. Yeah, I'm still hearing about it when they win. Stay on the stay on the air. All right, so I'm gonna go with my girl Nikki Bella. I think they can. I think they're gonna win the match. But I think uh, I think like you said, the whole engagement room is is interesting. You know, we'll see if that happens afterwards in the ring. That'll be interesting. All right, so we got Shane McMahon versus AJ Styles. I like uh, AJ Styles go, in this one. I'm gonna go with Shane. Uh, I'm going to go with Shane McMahon. I think he's due for a win. Uh, I think it, it's very imper- imp- imperative that he wins because Shane McMahon is the, the – uh, he'd be the GM 
or the commissioner. Is he the commissioner or GM? I always forget. I think he's the commissioner, right? Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell he's you right com- now, this is my prediction. I think Siles is going to win, but never mind that fight. I think if gonna, there's going to be a trade or a draft trade when they do the draft, and I think AJ Styles is going to Raw, and I think Seth Rollins is going to go to SmackDown. I think that's going to be the trade, AJ Styles to Seth Rollins. That's an interesting uh, – that's definitely interesting. I think, I, I, you know, Styles – the rumor is Styles is going to go to Raw, and I'm thinking AJ Styles – I'm thinking Rollins because, you know, Rollins has the Triple H rivalry, which Triple H can get him out of his hair by moving into SmackDown. I think that's to end that feud, I think that's what's going to happen there. Uh, that's a good. That's a good thing. Um, so we'll yeah, see. I mean, it's just a prediction, so we'll see. Yeah, no, that's a good. Hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I, I, I certainly, I certainly didn't hear anything like that. I mean, I mean, but again, it could happen. Um, I know, I know that Rollins and Triple H are, are going to be starting this big feud going forward, and he's going to. They're going to have all these guys and, and it could lead into it could lead into Dean Ambrose going into Raw, by the way, because the Shield might get back together. Yeah, well if they keep him there then you will see yeah the Shield back together most likely. Yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to get back, the Shield then. back together because Triple H is putting together a big stable. And who and yeah. who better would be Roman although I really would like to see uh so that's well so where are we? So that's where we were going with 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 that. Um, I, I think I think Shane's gonna win. Um, I think he's gonna win. What do you think? What do you, what do you think's gonna win? Shane versus Styles. Hello. Did you lose him? Oh yeah, it looks like he dropped off. Uh, maybe he'll call back. Oh, actually, it's after one, so he might not be able to call get back in mm. now. Well, so Jesse, 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 if listening, Jesse. call back at two because that's when my show is on today. I got I have to do a show at two o'clock today. So let's, all right, let's rip through the rest of these matches because I got I got to run. I got to go to Staten Island. But let's rip through the rest of these matches. So it's Triple H, Seth Rollins. Uh, I think it's going to be a non-sanctioned fight. By the way, you should mention. I think. Yes, it's, I, I think Triple H. Yes, I think. Yes, I think somebody's going to interfere again in that. And uh, and Seth Rollins is gonna uh, Seth Rollins is gonna lose. Okay, I think Seth's gonna win. I'm gonna pick him to win this fight. <clears throat> Undertaker Roman Reigns. That I pick Taker. I still think Taker's got it. I I still I I I've been I I've been Reigns finding gonna, out reasons why not to pick Reigns Undertaker. Gonna beat him. I I I think it's I I mean hey if Roman Reigns beat him. I don't think that would be bad for. I think it would still be bad for him. Why? I, I I don't know. I think I think I don't know. I think they need to change it because I this is it's terrible the way Roman gets booed like this and he's a good guy. I agree. I agree. And the Rock, make and we talk, I heard you talk about the Rock before, and uh, you said, and you know when when Rock first started, he was Rocky Maivia, and the fans didn't like him, and uh, he turned heel. Not many wrestlers can do that though. The Rock did it. You know, and, and that's a lot of reasons why The Rock has been back to help his cousin because they probably figured, hey, you know, they, the fans would listen to The Rock, but it's not like that no more, you know? No, I agree. Um, 
All right, then we have uh, Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton for the WWE Championship, SmackDown I say, Championship. I say Randy Orton, but I heard a rumor. I've been hearing this rumor now for about four or five years. Um, I hear a rumor that Bray Wyatt's sister Abigail is going to come out, and it's going to be a wrestler, and she's going to distract Randy or something, and they're going to Crazy Mary, what her name? Crazy yeah, Mary. it's going to be yeah. Sister Abigail. Right, well, yeah, I heard it was, yeah, I heard, I heard it was supposed to be a wrestler by the name of Mary Dobson. I did hear that, Crazy Mary, Mary Dobson. Dobson. Yeah, yeah, I know Mary. Yeah. I, I know, uh, you know, I feel bad, you know, I feel bad I'm for I'm going to pick Bray Wyatt. I think Eric Rowan's going to help him as well. I think we might see Sister Abigail and Eric Rowan help him. Yeah, right. I mean, it, Unless and, Harper who knows? comes down and helps Randy Orton. Maybe Harper comes yeah, down and helps Randy Orton. Or, or, or Harper comes down and helps. You never know. Wyatt, those crazy Wyatt, they can, they can help. Yeah. You never know. They've been, turn, they've been switching back and forth, turning on each other, going back and forth. They're like the big show. The big show is good. He's bad. He's good. He's bad. And a Goldberg Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. Uh, I'm gonna say Lesnar. I'm gonna say Stone Cold. No, <laughs> I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say um, what do you call? It? I'm gonna have to go with um, I'm gonna have to go with with who'd you say Lesnar? I'm gonna go with Lesnar. I think uh, I think it's time. I just hope that wherever this match is on the card, it's not a, a two second match again. <laughs> Do you think do you think it's gonna Yeah, that's that's what I wanted to ask you. Do you think it's gonna be another short match? No, I don't. I, I think it's gonna go at least maybe ten to twelve I don't know. I, I think it's gonna <laughs> I know you saw a very short match with Goldberg versus Owens. I seen that match. That match was pretty good. Yeah. Owens got him early. Owens attacked him early. I seen that. That was, that was great yeah. the way he he put him in there. And then all of a sudden, Lesnar he put the just, shirt over like, his North, head. Yeah, he just no sold it. Put the shirt over his head, picked him up, put him down. It was like holy cow! And the fans went crazy. Yeah, New York Madison Square Garden fans went crazy. It was funny because that event we went to, I thought it was going to be. You know, mix, but it ended up it was all SmackDown. That was really the only raw fight on the whole card. Yeah, it was a SmackDown um, live event. Yep. Okay. So, so that that in a nutshell. I, are we done? We did. We ran through all the card matches, right? Yeah. I, I just had a couple other questions before I let you go. So, a couple other roommates, so guys that ain't don't have a match per se, but like could they? No, talk I like, heard. And can I address something that I heard, or you messaged me about last night? I heard you went to see my old boys at ECPW last night. Yes, yes. You know, Buff Bagwell didn't show up. He ended up not being there, and he didn't want it in the main event. So they Where ended up moving. Buff, so I wonder if Buff Dunfield Bagwell was in was Buff Bagwell in Florida. Florida. He was supposed to be there last night. Yep, yeah, I wonder if he was in Florida at WrestleCon. So, you know, the guy, what was his name, Dan? Dan oh, Dan D-Man. Yeah, I know D-Man. Yeah, Dan D-Man, D-Man yep. champion. So he came out with the microphone and said, Buff Bagwell's not showing up. He's scared, you know, all that. Yeah, and of course. He was leaving, and then the guy, another guy came out and said, no, and now it's a triple threat match, and it was Nunzio and some other guy. But then Nunzio, oh, Nunzio turned yeah, on yeah, the other cool, Nunzio, Nunzio is a, Nunzio is a great guy. I love Nunzio. Was, I, I've worked with Nunzio about maybe five or six, yeah. maybe seven or eight, nine, ten times. 
I was actually just going to tell you, I met Nunzio backstage, at, you know, during the event. I went back there, and he was back. He was in the he was in the cafeteria getting a slice of pizza. So I was I went yeah. I was in the cafeteria just just talking to him. I was talking about his old days, you know, that I was watching him years ago and stuff. Yeah, and very nice guy. Very talkative. He is. He, he Nunzio is great. Um, Nunzio knows me as Buddy. That's how Nunzio knows me. Hey, Buddy. Hey, Buddy. You want to do me a favor? Hey, Buddy. He goes to me one day. Who's, goes, that, other, who's that other manager? The old guy. <laughs> they got so many over there. Which which one? They got so many managers over there. I didn't know his name. He was there. He managed two guys yesterday. He came out twice. Yeah, they, he, they, was they, they, he was there. He was there. He was there. He was there. He was in that Island, Mike. Years ago, at the Jimmy Snooker event, he was at that one, too, managing that night. Who the hell is that? Oh, uh, oh, uh, you're not not talking about, um, you're not talking about my my good friend, um, Montgomery, uh, Preston Montgomery, right? It could be. I'm not sure. No, probably. I don't know. I'm trying to think who was, yeah, I, I, oh, uh, we, yeah, they have so many, they have so many, uh, Let me see his Matt, picture. They, I'm looking for Preston Montgomery's picture, then I can say. No, it's not Preston Montgomery. Maybe not, maybe not. I don't think it was him, Preston Montgomery. I'm trying to think who was there. I know he was there that, that day, that day. You know what it is? Every time somebody mentions to me about managers, because I never really went out to Jersey to do wrestling. I only worked for ECPW locally. I did Brooklyn. I did the five girls. I did Brooklyn. I did um, Staten Island. I did, uh, uh, I did, that's it. I only did two, actually. So, um, but I know what you, probably what you're talking about. Yeah, they had, had some JCD, crazy things with JCD Outpatient versus Colossus. Rocco Murder versus Prince Akhenaten. Prince Akhenaten, you know, because he wrestled magic. At that show oh, okay. that you were at with, uh, when I was oh, there, okay. he wrestled Magic. Jay Evans versus Matt Castle, which was a good match. Matt Castle's funny. He was the king. He's a funny guy, that guy. Yeah, I know Matt. And we were actually sitting with Jay Evans' family. Jay Evans' family was sitting right in front of us. Oh, that's cool. And uh, and uh, Crazy Ivan versus Timothy Theory. Oh. Crazy Ivan is crazy because Crazy Ivan comes to me one day and says to me, "Hey man, I know you from somewhere." So I'm looking at him. I'm like, "I'm like, yeah." He's like, "Now, mind you, mind you, I'm in New Jersey, um, at this uh, training center. It's me, Magic, and and the X Clan. We're working out." And he comes in and he starts talking. He goes, "Hey man, I know you from somewhere, don't I?" So I start talking to him. I said, "Yeah." I said, "I said, um." You know, he goes, I came down to your school a couple of times and, and, and watched you guys. So I'm thinking to myself, okay. So we're talking. So I said to Magic, hey, who's that fan over there? Magic goes, fan. He goes, Mike, that's crazy Ivan. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, crazy Ivan. And I said, crazy. I, I said, you're crazy Ivan. He goes, the one and only. I said, you are crazy. I said, that's how you, you all introduced yourself as crazy Ivan. You just, I said, I thought you were a fan, and he starts laughing hysterically. That's funny. Yeah, Who's I like crazy Ivan. Ivan. Crazy Ivan uh, wrestled. Actually, crazy Ivan and what's-his-name had a hell of a match. Um, what's it, uh, Tommy Dreamer, one night, they had a hardcore match. Oh, boy, it was hardcore. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a great, it was a nice cut. Anthony had a great time. And, uh, you know, he had a ball. And, uh, you know, it was good. The refs, you know, the good guys obviously shake their hands. But the fun part was after the, after the event, him and his friend got to ru- go in the ring like, and just jump around. He got to climb on the nice. rope. He, he had a ball. He had a ball. 
I'm glad. It's, like it's, it's, like, it's like ECPW does a really good. They they are really Gino Caruso. My hats off to Gino. I love Gino Caruso. I I don't have a bad thing to say about Gino. I love Gino. Uh, Gino actually gave me my nickname Milk because of oh, really? my my skin complexion. Because he said to me, he says I can do something with guy. I, we're gonna call you Milk. I said, you're gonna call me Milk. Okay, that's a good nickname. But you know, of course, my gimmick was always the sign guy or fat boy in training. So I came in with my own, you know, because promoters promoters want to give you, they want to start you up. So when he heard that I was a booker, he said, what did you do? I said, I'm a booker. He goes, what did he just say? And I had to repeat myself to him. And then, and then he said to me, come here. I was like, yeah. He goes, you're making me laugh. I said, oh, good. And then when we walked away, the, the, the ex-clan, they said, Mikey, what happened? I said, he doesn't respect me because, you know, he didn't start me up. I didn't start in his school. So when I said I was a booker, he didn't respect that. I said, but that's cool. I said, but, I, I, you know, I, I, that's fine. And they, the boys started laughing because they thought it was funny, you know? Yeah. You know? He didn't start me up. But, but Gino's a nice guy, though. I, I worked with Gino, like I said. I did about maybe over, over 40 or 50 shows with all those guys. I was in the locker room with, with, with a lot of the guys. Um, and the newer guys that are coming up that are there now, um, I know I know them through like you know through like different wrestling and stuff. Um, some of the guys still you know that I know, but but all in all they put on a great show. That Colossus is nice, isn't he? A big big guy, Colossus. He's huge. Yeah, he's huge. He's unbelievable. Magic and him had had wars. Andrew Anderson and him had wars. And Andrew Anderson's another guy that was supposed to be there last night, but he was in uh, he was in Orlando for WrestleCon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it was good. It was a fun event, and, uh, you know. We'll How see, we'll, funny you know, is that, though, that our good friend. five minutes from my house, which makes it even better. Yeah, well, that's, oh, that's where it is. I was going to say, how cool is it that our good friend, my, my, my good buddy, the black sinister sin, is going to get a tryout with the WWE. I'm still yeah, that's uh, happy about that. That's great. And then Mike, and how about this? Mike, uh, and, then, and then my friend Mike, um, I always chop up his name. Him and his partner, uh, Angel, are from EYFBO. They're a tag team. They are now, how about this one? They are now tag team champions for Impact Wrestling. And that guy, Mike, who I was talking about, I think his name is Mike Drizdak. That's his last name. Mike used to be with us at Freedom Championship Wrestling, and he used to wrestle as Suicide, but not the Suicide that was his name, Suicide, because he was he was he was crazy, but he but he wrestled as Suicide, and now he he now he's he, when I met him back in I met him back in um, November. Now he's he's a tag team champion. So you you never know when when you when you when you enter this business that you're gonna meet meet guys, then they're gonna go on and they're gonna go on to greatness like this. Yeah, well, I agree. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for coming on. I'm going to let you go so you can go get ready for your show. Man, and, uh, I want to talk. And can we? Can I preview my show? I mean, I I want to preview the show. I mean, this is this is going to be this is going to be a great show. Let me just explain to everybody. I know you love to to say I'm your wrestling guy, but you know, like I said, Magic Mike. I was going to say Magic Mike. I was going to say Pro Wrestling Now. 
with Magic Mike and more, because it's more now. I give you more than just wrestling. Um, but today, today's show, we're going to talk about WrestleMania three, thirty years ago, Anthony, huh? And all crazy. Uh, and also, I'm going to talk about WrestleMania six because today's April Fool's Day. Yes, yes. Right. Uncle Warrior versus Hulk Hogan. Right. Good guy versus good guy. Um, and yes. also, of course, I'm going to preview today with my man Tony V. We're going to preview WrestleMania 33. Uh, we're going to talk about that and whatever else is going on in the wrestling world. Maybe I, I might I might decide to talk about last night's Hall of Fame as well. There you go. Good. Although I wasn't really Good. watching it. Everybody uh, tune in. Yeah, Everybody I mean, tune in. in and uh, Yeah, I was going to say, t- yeah, tune in 2 o'clock today. Uh, from two to five, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Anthony, you have a great day. Thank you. Um, what do you call? Thank you for having me on. As always, thank, I enjoy coming on too. I'm doing a preview. I enjoy the, the I enjoy your show. I you know this is it, man. The Mojo Sports Show. You never know who's gonna call. Look, you got a new caller, Jesse from Long Island. I love Jesse. Yeah, no, it's nice. Nice to hear. He's from a him. great guy, Jesse. I love him. I love him. All right, uh, take it easy. Enjoy your Definitely. day. Have and a get great ready show for, today. Get ready for Monday. That's going to be great. All right, man. Yeah, we'll talk next week more about it. I can't wait. I can't wait. All Anthony, right. have a good day. Say hello to your family for me, Mr. Mojo. And uh, and I, I, I enjoy definitely enjoy Oh, yeah, I definitely will. Okay, thank you, buddy. Thanks, have man. a good WrestleMania tomorrow night. Well, I'll text you. you I'll too. text thank you, buddy. You. All right. Magic Mike Ferrara from Pro Wrestling and Now and More. Be heard today at two o'clock. They'll be doing a WrestleMania, talking WrestleMania three, WrestleMania six, and the current WrestleMania. So good show. Definitely listen in tonight, today at two o'clock. And uh, thanks for coming on and doing a WrestleMania preview. And thanks, uh, Jesse from Long Island, coming on talking college basketball, Mets, and wrestling and boxing. It was great, uh, great segment. So thanks, Jesse. Look forward to hearing from you again as well. We we'll take a quick commercial, and then we're going to come back and wrap it up. Attention business owners, website owners, event promoters, or anyone looking to promote your product. The Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network is the perfect way to spread the word of your business around the world. That's right. You can advertise at our network and be played on all of our shows at rates that are so cheap. It's a no-brainer. For more information, contact Bay Ragney at bayragney at gmail.com to keep your business driven, stay driven with Totally Driven Entertainment. Are you a fan of Sherlock Holmes? Letters from Holmes offers unique, one-of-a-kind letters from the world-famous detective himself. Handwritten on 8.5-inch by 11-inch aged parchment paper and using smudge-free ink to produce original, high-quality letters that fans will treasure for years to come. Each letter is handcrafted and written from the perspective of Sherlock Holmes, mimicking Holmes's native tongue and embracing many of the famous detective's quirks, quips, insults and peculiarities. Order a love letter, birthday greeting, personal correspondence, or more only at www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash letters from homes. For $5 today, you can buy a wealth of things. Gas for your car, rent a movie for the family, a few slices of pizza. $5 still takes you a long ways. But did you know that $5 can buy your child a bag of heroin in the streets? That's right. For only $5, your son or daughter can buy some of the cheapest and purest dope in the country. Be aware of the lies. Be aware of the stealing. Be aware that's all it takes to kill your child. $5. 
This message was brought to you by Casey's Cause, a group of parents located in southern Chester County out to save your child's life. Come join us today at www.caseyscause.com. And remember, $5 is all it takes. Casey's Cause, www.caseyscause.com. Looking for that perfect gift for your girlfriend? Then look no further than Teddy Scares. Teddy Scares are available in a variety of styles, sizes, and prices for all your shopping needs. Teddy Scares are a mix of cute and creepy to make a great gift for almost any age. Board up your windows, lock your doors, and log on to teddyscares.com. And be sure to become our friends at facebook.com slash teddyscares. Calling all comic book fans. Do you collect comics? Did you ever collect comics? Do you think your children might like reading comic books? Do you even know they still print real, paper, non-digital comic books? Well, then visit the Pirates of Ontario Street Comics in Philadelphia. We have a massive collection of comic books, action figures, trading cards, and much more. We have one of the largest stocks of back-issue comics in the area. We bag and board every new comic book at no extra charge. Our stores voted the best comic book shop in the 2013 PHL 17 Hot List Contest. Part of the movie Unbreakable is filmed in our store. We are open seven days a week. Ontario Street Comics is located at 2235 East Ontario Street in the Port Richmond section of Philly. Our phone number is 215-288-7338. Type in the words Ontario Comics Philadelphia to check out our Wacky Stories page on Facebook. Welcome back to the Mojo Sports Show. So that's another great show in the books today. I want to thank everybody for calling the Met Roundtable crew for doing a lot, doing baseball today. Mets doing a lot of Mets with uh, Padman and Allen. And then I want to thank uh, Jesse from Long Island for calling, talking college basketball, wrestling, and boxing, and Mets. And I want to talk, of course, Magic Mike from Pro Wrestling Now and more coming doing a WrestleMania preview. Great show today. <clears throat> Covered a lot. We talked college basketball, baseball. A lot of baseball. I did my fantasy baseball rankings in the beginning of the show. So we did a lot of baseball and uh, college basketball, boxing, and, and wrestling today. So next week we'll be back to talk about the, the final four and who won the championship in college basketball and obviously pre- the first week of baseball. So it'll be a lot of fun. And then all the other top news, NBA, NHL, in their final stretch before the playoffs and NFL as the draft approaches. So everybody, enjoy your weekend. Thanks again for listening and calling in, and I'll see you soon. I'll speak to you next week.